Blog Talk Radio. Let me hear the worshipers! Where's all of my praises? I want everybody around the world to put your hands together because all the praise belongs to God. Here we go.
amen, amen, amen. Well, want to thank everyone for listening to another episode of Blog Talk Radio. This is the show, the Douglas Webb. Well, I've almost made that mistake. This isn't the Douglas Candidate Family and Friends Network. And to those family members listening for that show, we're going to do something a little different tonight. Okay, Five Smooth Stone is putting on a special show tonight. I'm sure some of you have gotten the text or the email. And so tonight, the topic of this show, this show, is Dallas-Fort Worth speak up on African-American murders and police killings. That's what's going on tonight, family. And I hope that you are tuned in for just that. Uh, the old format that we normally go with, not the old format, but our usual format with the family, we will not be doing tonight. I'm going to say that again. The usual format will not be tonight. Our favorite cousin, Darlene Douglas, is not on the line. Our, uh, we won't be doing a, a William B. or any of the specials that we normally do on the show. Okay, Tonight we're talking about the murders of police officers in Dallas as Especially the murders of African Americans all over this nation. What on God's green earth is going on? So you tune into another episode with five smooth songs. That's what's happening tonight for a special episode. So family, please know that tonight's show is not for children. I'm going to say that again. Tonight's show isn't G-rated. No telling what you're going to hear on the line tonight. We're going to have people that's going to be on. They may be atheists. They may say curse words that you haven't heard on the family blog. <laughs> so just know that. That's your warning. It's not a PG show tonight. We're going to invite the public, the public. Already I got on the phone lines all kind of articles that I have not seen in a long, long, long time. And I know this is not family. This is just people listening from all over, possibly the world, really. Uh, I've sent uh, a few friends, uh, groups, and so forth, so they may show up. And I'm telling you right now, these people don't always speak the language of the family, so to speak. So to speak. Actually, our family got a little bit of that in, the, in it, too. So anyway, how's everybody doing? Put a little music on in the background. Again, I'm Seth. I am uh, going to be one of the people uh, hosting the show tonight, but I do have help. Um, we're going to have on some um, guests from, like I said, Dallas-Fort Worth, some men that live and work in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that is going to be chiming in on... Uh, this whole situation. I don't know where to start, family. It's just so much. And I say family tonight, I'm talking about the public and everybody. I'm not just talking about the Douglas Kennedy, okay? So tonight, family, is going to be anybody and everybody. will include our brothers and sisters that don't look like us. Everybody's going to be family tonight, okay? All right? So tonight, tonight, we're going to have on from uh, 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 some guests. Brother uh, Yahshua is going to be joining us. This is a brother that... Uh, we said Dallas forward men, but this gentleman is actually from Cincinnati. He will be the only one that's from a different city. Everybody else is from this area. The reason why I brought, I invited Brother Yeshua on, because Cincinnati, folks, tops all American cities with police shootings. There is no city with the, 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 with the uh, percentage uh, in relation to uh, the amount of people with more police shootings in Cincinnati. I remember when I left in 19, uh, 2008, when I left Cincinnati, there was at 21 shootings of unarmed black men. I had been in up to that time over 70 marches. Nothing can top what Cincinnati is going through. So you bet I brought I brought on um, Brother Yashua, kind of represent that city. But 
we really don't represent any city really per se. There is no per se representative. We're not the representatives of Dallas. Many people that came on that have more stats, more um, fluent in what's going on in the city than myself and my guests. We're just regular everyday people living in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and we just chime in on what we feel is a solution. So tonight, my guests will be answering the question: What's your solution? What's, what, what did God put in your heart? What, how do you see things? Folks, there's a lot going on with this shooting uh, in Dallas. It's a lot of uh, discrepancies, and y'all going to see it's going to end up looking like the JFK assassination after a while. So many inconsistencies. Uh, if y'all think one black man killed all them people, you tune into the right show. <laughs> Again, you're listening to the Five Smooth Stones tonight. This is a special show we're doing off the Five Smooth Stone Network. We also produce a family show, but we're not doing that show tonight. We're going to do a special show on the uh, African-American murders all over this nation, as well as the police killings, okay? So let's do this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and not waste any more time to go straight to the phone lines and get my guests. I mean, some of them are here. There's a few that may not be on just yet, but I know I have in the house. Uh, Let's see here. Eric Code 513 Eric Code 513 Brother Yeshua from Cincinnati. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Shalom, shalom, brother. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. Well, shalom to you. Shalom. And folks, when we say shalom, don't be alone. That just means peace. And also, brother uh, uh, uh of Dallas-Fort Worth area, are you there as well? Yes, I'm here as well. Hey, good evening, everyone. Shalom. All right. These brothers, again, they might say shalom. The next person come on might say, yo, what's up? So just know that, folks. We're going to have a little, and our panel will, hopefully will be diverse tonight. Uh, we got one more brother that we're gonna, that's going to be joining us, and then we're going to open the phone lines to, I've invited some people to call in and share that live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as well. But again, this is not just a Dallas-Fort Worth show. This is for any and everybody that know a little something about police brutality and uh, just, just what's going on, what's really going on. You know how they say whatever's going on in the natural, uh, uh, Brother Elishu and Brother Yahshua, they say whatever's going on in the natural had its origins in the spiritual. So nothing happens on our planet without first happening in the spiritual realm. I'm not being spooky. I'm being realistic. Think about it. Everything you see, taste, touch, and smell was a thought. So that's a very profound truth. How you brothers doing tonight? Just say hello to everybody. Brother Yahshua, why don't you go first? Just say hello to everybody and let them know a little bit about who you are. Well, yeah, uh, shalom, shalom to all the listening audience. Um, I think there's going to be a real great show tonight. It's very timely. I'm glad you decided to put it on. The Spirit moved you to put this show on. It's something that very much needed because I know all around the country, actually, you know, we're focusing on three different cities that tragedies had recently happened. But all around the country, it's been, you know, marches and, and all these meetings and all over the country as a result of what just happened in Dallas and the other cities. So um, there was just another meeting today in Cincinnati uh, talking about the things. But what seems to be missing from uh, most of these meetings is um, men such as us who know our true heritage and know who we are, because I believe that makes all the difference. Um, there were two. There were two meetings. There was a meeting today in Cincinnati at one church, and it was a meeting yesterday at another church. They invited the police and everything like that, which I'm sure the same thing has been going on all around the country. But um, 
you very, very rarely find, you know, Israelite men who are speaking at these different uh, events because we believe that we have the answers that has not been um, addressed thus far. So hopefully we can bring it out today. And let me say this, folks, for you listening, family members, as well as the public listening, when he made the comment by Israelite men, we have brothers on the line that actually believe that African Americans is one of the lost tribes of Israel, and that is why we're going through what we're going through. And hopefully with the scriptures tonight, we'll be able to show you that. But we have some people on, and that will be coming on, that don't believe any of that. Okay, just know that, family. we got a variety of people listening to this show tonight, and uh, they're going to come on, and they'll be just as sharp, and they have something completely different to bring to the table. So just know that, know that, know that, okay? Uh, I want to go ahead and go to Brother uh, Ellis. Before uh, Brother Ellis sure come on. I want to say this about Cincinnati. I mentioned it earlier a little bit, but I just want to say this. Folks, I'm not, I'm very serious. There is no city like Cincinnati with regards to police shootings. New York, LA, even Dallas, Chicago. Chicago may give it a close run for its money, but Cincinnati for a tiny city, those cops are off the chain. Janet Reno the department, I think she was the uh, Department of Defense uh, Secretary, sent a police from Washington to police the police in Cincinnati. And the police in Cincinnati got pissed off that the government sent these agents to spy on them. They did what you call a slowdown. What does that mean? The Cincinnati Police Department decided they was not going to wait on its citizens on a timely manner. It was like a protest. Furthermore, Janarino's, uh, 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 the report was that Cincinnati Police answers to no one. City manager, uh, they answer to no one. Mayor, they answer to no one. They've been off the chain for a long, long time. And, you know, that was the last time a city really erupted was Cincinnati. It was the last real riot we had was in Cincinnati. So I couldn't help but to bring this brother on tonight because I want Cincinnati to be mentioned a lot tonight uh, because they've been going through it forever. And uh, one more thing I'm going to share with you about Cincinnati. You'll see why I keep talking about Cincinnati. I left in 2008. One of the reasons I left, outside of the weather being one of them, was the police out of controlness. When you see a city that much out of control, it don't answer to nobody. We've been marching. I told you I was in 70 marches. I saw it going nowhere. We had a boycott, a successful boycott that shut down the jazz festival, that ran James Brown out of town, that ran uh, Midnight Star out of town, that ran a lot of celebrities we just think didn't come. Because they wasn't invited. I got in trouble for entertaining Harry Belafonte. I, I met him and walked around with him and over the Rhine, and I got came under fire because they said no celebrities are inviting this town while this, is, while this boycott is going on. We were serious. So all I'm saying is this city here, nobody can touch Cincinnati with regards to police abuse. You know, I, I, one more thing I'll share, then I'll bring up with LSU. I was picked up this young lady one time, this elderly, elderly lady, and I was taking her downtown, and I was telling her about Cincinnati police, and uh, it, it, the story is too crazy. I'm not going to even share it. It's actually graphic, and I know we may have kids 
some family members may be listening. I can't share this story, but what the police do uh, to, to, the, to the women in Cincinnati, the sexual favors, there is nothing you have never, you know, I guarantee you never heard this stuff. These people are off the chain. So Cincinnati, if you want to, if some people say, well, I don't really know about this police brutality. You know, our young men act up, and they this and they that, and they bring them themselves. And if you're saying that kind of thing, which I don't like how they be acting either, a lot of our young people, but if you want to see visual, a vivid, clear-cut proof of police out of control, Started your research on Cincinnati killings. Uh, they was at 21 in 2008. Okay, Brother Elishua, I know you got a lot to say. Uh, so go ahead and just let everybody know who you are and just uh, just say hello to everybody. Just let them know who you are, please. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, for the most part, a great deal of people uh, from Seth's family know me. Um, I'm from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, born and raised right here in Funky Town, Fort Worth. Uh, represent that well and proud of it. I love Fort Worth. Um, I would, I guess, I would say anything that you know, just the word to uh, temper this conversation. And um, I applaud you, Seth, for making this effort because um, definitely we need to address some issues that are not being addressed, quote unquote, in the media, and we need to address it from a perspective of truth. Um, if there's one thing that I can say as an individual, I detest this line leadership. And so if we're going to get to the point and deal with these issues, we're going to have to stop dealing with fairy tales and fantasies and deal with the truth of the matter. Uh, you said that police brutality is at its highest rate in the city of Cincinnati within the country. Um, I'm not, I, I mean, I haven't read any statistics to prove that, but I wouldn't question that for two reasons. One is I lived in the city for a period of time. And while you were living there, I visited you on numerous occasions. And I observed police officers riding in near the downtown area and over the Rhine, three men deep in a car. They looked more like headhunters than they looked like officers of law. And it was obvious from their demeanor and the way that they carried themselves and conducted themselves that the people in whom they were policing, they didn't perceive them as citizens. They perceived them as people who were a criminal element that they had to contain. And therein lies the greatest issue of the problem. Uh, that it happens in Cincinnati is not a shock to any person who is actually politically conscious, uh, socially aware, and knows some history. Because when we look at the issue of police, we have to first, what we're going to begin with this, let's deal with the issue of what, where do we even get this concept of police? Where did it come from? How did it come about? What was the purpose of it when it was initiated? You're gonna find out the police were initiated during the time slept during the time of civil prior to civil rights, uh, actually Jim Crow, and their purpose was to protect white communities from black people. So we're gonna deal with the truth, let's get it hard and let's not play around because things are getting serious and we are in a crisis. We're in the beginning of a crisis that is, never, that is not going to conclude until we see the zenith and the final of what they call this American democracy experiment. So let's get with it. And that was good. I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you sharing. I, you know, when when El brother Elishua was talking, I thought of a story that happened in Cincinnati. We're gonna just just we'll, we'll switch to Dallas here in a second. But I'm telling you, no city makes it clear that police is off the chain. Because some people really are on the fence. They're saying, yeah, I, 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 every police I know in my neighborhood is nice. And there are, most police are very nice, upstanding. And, I mean, just 
folks, there's thousands of people that are arrested every day. Thousands. Probably, I don't know. I would love to know the number. I bet it's probably 300,000 or something. And if you have two killings, I'm not saying it's ever justified. Oh, no, I'm not going there. It ain't never, ever, ever justified. It's never okay. But I'm saying it just says that most police, most police, I think, is acting in a reasonable manner. Now, there are uh, disrespectful things done, disrespectful ways they can look at a person, talk to a person, you know, and, and, and you know, that's there's probably thousands of offenses like that by the police. I'm not dumb now. Okay, so there's other ways you can abuse people without taking their life. I know that, and I've been done that by the police as well. Okay, but uh, Cincinnati is just, I have so many stories that's just clear-cut. It's like, (laughs) I just don't know where to start. This is a very hard topic, you know, very hard topic. I want to, in one regards, keep them humans because so many of them do such a good job. And at the same time, some of them is just flat-out clansmen. You ever wonder, family, where did the Ku Klux Klan go? Where did they go? The belief system, you, if you don't think they are around, just type in white supremacy and see how many groups, white supremacist group wars, a lot of them out there, white Aryan resistance. There's all kind of of groups that still believe like those old ways. They haven't gone away, family, but where are they employed is my question. They don't walk up and down the street. Where are they at? Where is the Klan? They're on the police force, folks. They really are. They really, truly are. hate to tell you that, but it's the truth. And so, tonight, us brothers... More you as the show progresses, you'll see most of us have been in the Dallas Fort Worth area. We have a big challenge before us, Brother LSU in Cincinnati as well. We have a big challenge. The challenge is to provide the listeners hope. I don't like doing shows unless it can end on a big note of hope. Something to put the smile on the people's face and encourage us as well. Because, folks, we're dying in the streets. We're dying. Family, we are dying for nothing. Boy, go on outside and do what they tell you. Sit where they tell you. When they tell you, keep your hands on the way, keep your hands on the If they ask you to see your driving license, you know, our boys and girls and some children are doing exactly as we say and dying. But even those that don't do what the police officers say, talking back, Let's not victimize them too much. Victimize the victim, as they say. Listen, they still don't deserve to die for calling the cop. Sandra Bland called a cop, you know, P-U-S-S-Y, a thousand times. I counted like 20 times she called that man in name. Okay, listen. <laughs> That's not accepted, Sandra. But did she deserve to die in jail? Did she deserve to die? Lots of our boys will tear up a ticket in front of the police officer. Lots of our girls will, 
you know, be they won't put their cell phones away, and the cops. Are t- I mean, it's all kind of stuff they do. You know, uh, sometimes rights are violated. You know, all I'm saying is they don't deserve to die. We don't deserve to die like this family. When I say family, I'm talking about everybody. Whites, blacks, tonight, everybody's family. We do not deserve to die like this. And when we die like this, believe you me, at some point, like P. Diddy said, I hear a little noise in the background, y'all. But uh, like P. Diddy says, sooner or later, we're going to shoot back. Again, I hear some noise in the background. I'll just mute you just for a minute. So, folks, tonight, we want to talk about hope. Those of you calling the phone lines, and, and you see the phone number there, uh, and I want to thank all of you for being a Early, so many already listened to the phone lines. I knew that would happen. Many of you are waiting on Five Food Stone to do a show. Well, here it is. Thank y'all for being early on the phone lines. I can't thank you enough. Okay. But uh, tonight, family, everybody, let's offer hope. Let's let's not do anything that's going to promote fear. We ain't got no reason to be scared. We serve the Most High. Most of us, many of us. There is no reason to be fear. That's the one command. I think that we're commanded to fear not more than any other scripture in the whole Bible. But we want to talk about what's making these cops tick. And we need to help our white brothers and sisters. Yes, they are our brothers and sisters. And they're poisoned by white supremacy. All of us are. What, what I want to present tonight is racism is not a white man thing. If I don't do nothing else tonight, I want us to nail this down. That racism, white supremacy, the thing that makes whites so superior, that makes them not value black lives, it's not just whites. It's blacks doing the same thing. It's a philosophy. Anybody can believe it. And a lot of our young black men believe it. Watch this. Ready for this? A lot of our old black people believe it. Yes, some of our senior citizens believe in white supremacy. They don't see black lives like they see white lives. This is some of the things they say to their kids coming up. They don't really... I'm talking about people that go to church, white stockings-wearing mothers at the church. They are just as full of... Some of them are just as full of white supremacy. I'm going to try my best to share it tonight to where you can see it crystal clear. White supremacy is not just coming from white people. White supremacy is coming from Americans. White supremacy is coming from anybody that listens to white history. White history. White, the white way of looking at life. If you, if that's you, you're going to be promoting white supremacy. It's just more subtle with black people. It's just more subtle. And, Brother Yashua, I'm going to come to you in a second, and I want you to be the first one to answer a question I'm going to put out here. But I just want to just finish this up by saying, people, if we don't get nothing else out of tonight's show, let's understand something. White people are not our enemy. They're not our enemy. Our enemy is the philosophy of white supremacy and evil spirits. Sometimes... People believe in the value of black people. They believe in the value of white people. And it's some demonic come over them. Yes, it is. It's all throughout the Bible. Sometimes crimes are straight up demonic. A mother putting her baby in the microwave. Some crazy stuff. Sometimes the enemy is a spirit. All fallen angel that have 
heavy the body. We get that a little bit too. Because we want to talk about the enemy tonight. We want to nail this thing. We want to we wanna shoot it right between the eyes. And we cannot have white man. The white man is the devil. It's impossible. Y'all know white people all around you that is fighting against this hardened black people. All their life they fought against it. Loving white people. Come on now. We produce whites. We as in dark-skinned people. It's not a us versus them. It's impossible that white man, the white man, can be the devil. Now, I will say this right now, who ruling our planet is people that have pretty much have white skin. The Europe's, the Americas of the world, they're running this planet for the most part. And they are doing some very devilish things that make them look just like the devil. I mean, for real, for real. The stuff they're doing is crazy. But there's some people that live right next door to you. You know they, they wouldn't dare agree with that. Powerful people have for many years, thousands of years, done wicked stuff, just like these whites that are in power. But you can't call, you're not going to call the, the pharaohs of ancient Egypt when they was killing up, destroying babies, going to the house and killing little tiny innocent babies. You don't call them no devil. So all I'm saying is the devil is the devil. That's who the devil is. The devil is the devil. People are people. They can be influenced and inspired by evil spirits. But tonight, there's another enemy. The enemy of philosophy of white supremacy. A philosophy when you go into a people and you constantly talk about your history, your history. And when it comes to Africa, you don't say anything but you demonize the whole continent. A place three times bigger than the United States. You demonize it. You always you either say nothing about it or you say something demeaning about it. What you expect, folks, it's normal to take black lives. Farrakhan said it best when he says, what do you do to a boogeyman? We've been made a boogeyman in this country. What do you do to a boogeyman? If you, we've been made a boogeyman, and we have been, what did you do to a boogeyman? You kill it. Those white cops is doing what comes natural for what they've been taught. And I'm going to tell you something. If you think that's so horrible, look at what these black boys are doing every single day. Up, oh, it just happened right now, somewhere in the United States. Some black man took another black man's life. Why? He didn't value their life. Why don't he value their life? He don't shoot white people like that. Why don't he value his life? Because he believes in the philosophy of white supremacy. He don't value himself. Anyway, anyway, Brother Yashua. I want to start off with you because, again, you're in the city, the capital of police brutality. I'm gonna say it tonight. I'm gonna to give it the. I'm gonna give it to Crown Cincinnati has the crown of police brutality. Now we're gonna get into some other things about the the shooter and all the controversy. Right now we're gonna get into a lot of stuff, but we're just gonna go a little slow right now, brother Yashua. What do you think the solution is? I mean, what, what do you think is the solution for not just the African-Americans that are dying all across this planet, but, yeah, well, let's start with that. What, what do you think the solution is? What's going on in Cincinnati? Uh, what, what's going on in our, in our country? What's the solution? Well, um, I would have to say the solution is uh, turning back to the most high. You know, when we turn back to the Most High Amen. with our whole heart, as it states in the Scripture, as a nation, not as an uh, individual, not as a particular church or a Bible class, but as a nation of people, when we truly turn back to the Most High, that's when we'll see a change. Um, so I believe that's wholeheartedly is the solution. 
um, turning back to the Most High and truth and in righteousness, I believe that is the solution. I believe that we have never done that as a nation of people since we stepped foot on this country. Therefore, we've been constantly experiencing all of these atrocities from slavery to the Jim Crow to the Civil Rights era to all of these different things. Um, and until we do that, we will continue to suffer. So it's turning back to the Most High. And uh, as a nation of people, I believe that is definitely the solution. It's definitely not voting or it's not economics. You know, we had economics at one point as a people. You know, we had Black Wall Street and, uh, you know, many things like that. Um, we even had uh, unity to a certain point. People say we must unify. I definitely believe we must unify. But even with that, we were united at a certain point in time throughout history. But we still experience all of these atrocities because we didn't turn back wholeheartedly to the Most High. And I believe until we do that, that is the final solution. Amen. Amen. Now, there are some people that have, uh, I put this on the uh, slideshow, that there's some, a lot of people, a lot of young people and older people too, uh, talking about things like gun control. I mean, excuse me, not gun control, but, but the mighty gun, bloodshed. You know, mm. you know, if we can just get blue, blue to bleed a little bit more. I'm, uh, I'm coming at you, Brother Yashua, uh, uh, a little bit mm. stronger here. What do you think about those that are really down for taking lives of police officers? They feel like that's a solution. They feel like Dallas did the right thing. You know, we do this enough, we get these people pop our back. Address that. And I hear some noise in the background. I don't know who it is, uh, so just kind of watch it. It's like a pretty loud, actually. Okay, but go ahead. Uh, well, pretty much, I think that um, it is uh, it may be a temporary solution to help one feel better, depending on their personality. But all in all, that's something our people definitely do not want. Because if it come down to that and it come down to some type of going back and forth in a race war, our people will lose uh, very bad. You know, it'll be Israelite bloodshed all across this country. When I say Israelite, again, I mean the so-called African-Americans. Our blood will be shed all across this country. We have so many uh, white militia groups that's been training and getting ready for this type of stuff for years. Um, we definitely don't want that. But at the same time, I believe that is one of the only things that this nation listens to as far as that. I mean, what, what else do you do if you don't know the most high, if you don't know the answer is turning back to the most high? I believe they listen to... Um, as they did when you mentioned the boycott in Cincinnati, and it worked back then. They would listen when, as far as their finances, and they listen when, as the scripture calls it, an alpha or an eye. Um, now, hold on a second. You something. said in Cincinnati the boycott worked. Let's address that for Brother Ellis Shaw come on here shortly. And you say the boycott in Cincinnati, and folks, I'm serious. We were serious about that boycott. I mean, we. I, I remember uh, Valerie Lemmy going to lunch, and, I mean, we were out there, and uh, it, actually it wasn't me, to be honest. I was there, but I didn't engage in this. But they would not let her get out of that Cadillac in peace. You know, we uh, it was just all kind of, we, we basically, the, 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 the philosophy was make them uncomfortable. When they go to lunch, when they go to dinner, and they chilling out, you know, let them know, hey, we're here. We don't agree how you're voting. What do you have to say about the police? What do you have to say about the police attacking your people? And we just, she did individually end up quitting. 
So that boycott, those people, Cincinnati has some of the strongest rock wallers. I mean, it's like 70 of us, and you, you could always, that's not a whole lot, but they made a lot of noise. But let's go, let's switch to Brother Ellis Shoot. He lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, been here all his life, back and forth out of Dallas, and... Uh, uh, I would love to know his angle on uh, what is the solution. And we're going to go into a little deeper. This is just the first phase, folks. We're going to get a little deeper into the solution. But tell us, sure, what is the solution? <laughs> I'm sorry, but the thought came to me right as you asked that question. What's the problem? That's a good one. That's so I think one. in order to determine the, what the solution is, we have to first find out what's the problem. Mm-hmm. Is the problem what is the problem? Let's Dallas. go there. Yeah. So again, so we, you know, people saying the problem is police brutality. Really? Is that a recent problem? Is that a recent development? I think it's existed since our existence occurred in this land. It's never ceased where we were concerned. It just wasn't televised. We didn't have cell phones. Talk about the, the sisters. Uh, young black girls not putting down their cell phones when the police pull up. Well, for one incident that just recently happened, if you wouldn't have put that cell phone down, we would have never known about it. That's so true. we got to ask ourselves, what is the problem? Because it can't be police brutality. It's just being more publicized now. It's always been in existence. I have a, ne- I have a nephew who's deceased right now. Uh, young guy, you know, got off on the wrong track, ended up in the Texas Department of Corrections, found himself in solitary, 19 years old. He was killed in solitary. Prisons didn't kill him. Guards killed him. So what's the problem? That's not a recent problem. And then let's deal with the issue of, um, you know, if how we define things. You, you said enemies. White people are not our enemies. No, but America is. Because we're not a native to Americans. Neither are we the primary co- uh, ethnic group that makes up this people is the people of America as a sovereign nation. Anybody who is not European in this nation is considered a minority. So therefore, we're not in the land of our home. And in the scriptures, it goes all throughout, from Genesis to Revelation, talking about the land of our enemies and those who are enemies. We were brought here as slaves. We are in the land of our enemies. And and part of the problem in the discourse and all the going back and forth is that we seem to forget that. That We need to keep in mind that, that we are in the land of our enemies. We were not brought here as voluntary workforce. We were brought here as... You're preaching now, brother. And that has an impact on the context of what we're dealing with right now. These things are not happening in a vacuum. There are contexts. Brother Seth made reference to the fact of the people who were Ku Klux Klans, Aryan nations, skinheads. Where did they go? I'll tell you where they're at. They're in your police departments. And, if I, and the reality is that they didn't go there. They've always been there. But what you saw in the media about 15 years ago, those were the younger groups who people who succession generation from the KKK. And now those people right now, many of those guys, are in police departments. Proven fact, before the L.A. riots in Los Angeles, the police force was made up predominantly at least 70 to 80 percent of people who were natives of Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama. Uh, Bill wow. Gates, the police police chief actually went there to recruit them after the Vietnam War. Now, of course, we know democratically those are some of the most racist people in the world. They were in the South, and they brought them to police entirely exclusively black communities. What do you think was going to be the result other than what you saw with Rodney King? So the fact is that if we're going to deal with solutions, you want a, you want a temporary solution or you want a permanent solution? And a temporary solution is not gun control because when you re- because we're really going to find out what the problem is, we're going to realize that gun control plays into the hand of our enemy. Where where, where if we're going to be really addressing the problem, they want your guns. 
because they want to control you and manipulate and dominate you and govern you. So the thing is, more than anything with these shows, we need to understand that we need to start having knowledge and being aware of what's going on. The scripture says, and all you're getting, get understanding. We don't understand what the problem is, so how in this planet are we going to solve a problem that we don't even know what it is? So we have to first to find out what the problem is. And like I said, do you want the temporary problem or you want the final solution? And I think I should talk about the final solution when we get right into the deep things. Said right now, you probably think I just fell off of a rock. Well, that was that was pretty strong, brother. What you just said, y'all hear that, right? Now I know some of y'all saying you don't know that the, that, that the police department, you don't know that. Listen, folks, come on, y'all got to do a little thinking. Some of y'all, you know, <laughs> some of us been living under a rock, and we just don't want to believe that our police department would do that. But I'm telling you, folks, all you got to do is live in the city of Cincinnati with some of the things that have happened. I'm trying my best not to get into some of this because it's very gory. Some of it's very sexual. Some of it's very, you know, it's just, look at it like this, folks. A lot of people is not believers, right? A lot of people are not, they, come on, y'all know people, they doing all kind of stuff. Imagine giving them all the authority and a badge and putting them on the street. And you heard what Janarino's report said. No, but they answers to nobody. They answer to nobody. So you got a police department that answers to nobody. Is Cincinnati only one like that? I doubt it. I doubt this police chief. We gonna talk about him. I know this brothers. These brothers got some select words for the police chief in Dallas. Good man, to a degree, but. Folks, there are some serious issues that have happened in Dallas that we just ain't buying. And I've talked to many black men since this has happened, and they just not buying the story. Just really briefly, I don't want to get into it too deep, but I'm just going to tease you just a little bit again, brothers. I want to get to it right now. But y'all remember when the thing first jumped off in Dallas? They constantly kept saying over and over and over, the police, the police, policeman was running different direction. They run to this direction and then they run to that direction because the shots was coming from more than one direction. And they kept saying there's more than one shooter. They even show one guy shooting at people. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Behind a pillar, big white pillar. And I mean, you, he, that's the guy we actually see where he shoots the, the cop point blank. Okay, when that guy was doing that shooting, there was still somebody shooting from the parking garage. Now, unless you, I'm not present, how are you going to be shooting somebody point blank and be up in the garage? Now, the whole story is one black man did all the shooting. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe they expect us to believe that? But you know what many of you would do? Many of you have to keep hearing a lie over and over and over. We'll say there must be some truth to it, and we'll just believe it. That's just what we do. That's what we do as a people. That's what we do as a country. I want y'all to hear something. Uh, take a little short break. I want y'all to listen to this white gentleman, white brother, talk about this whole situation. you got to hear this. Your brothers are going to enjoy this. This is a surprise even to y'all. So check this out, man. We'll take this little short break. This is a, not that long of the audio. And listen what this this man has to say. Powerful, powerful, powerful. We'll be right back. Hey, friends, and, well, 
let me be honest, probably um, before this video is over, some of you will consider me as an enemy. Um, but I wanted to share a couple minutes about my thoughts, not only on the tragedies that we have been experiencing um, over these past months and especially these last couple of days with the shootings of our black men. But what I'm coming to learn over my 23-year journey of being a white man, living and ministering amongst my black family here in several inner cities of Chicago. And I'm, I'm going to speak very black and white because, let's be honest, it's a black and white issue. Um, I, I want to take you to the book of Exodus, um, chapter 1, and I wanted to share a little bit of what took place prior to the rise of Moses. Um, when I read that, it talked about that the Pharaoh um, became concerned and very um, fearful that the Hebrew slaves were growing in number and in power. So in order to maintain their oppression, um, he put upon them great labor. He put upon the Hebrew slaves cruelty to keep them down. However, they still grew. And so he brought together some midwives and he instructed them that when a Hebrew boy was born, kill him. Well, these midwives did not follow and the Hebrew slaves continued to grow. Eventually, the Pharaoh became so hatred and, and, uh, towards those Hebrew slaves that he made a decree. He put out an order that male baby boy Hebrew slaves were to be killed by casting them into the Nile River. Let's look at America. We brought blacks into this country as slaves. We never intended them to be anything other than a slave. But they began to grow in number and in power and eventually they fought their way to some freedom. So we became even more cruel and to keep our black Americans down, we lynched, but yet they rose. So then we used the welfare system, the criminal justice system, to, to keep them down, to contain them, to destroy them, but yet they rose and they're rising. Then we built prisons and jails to hold them, yet they rose. And so now we are doing exactly what the Pharaoh did at the end, sending out a decree, kill them. So until we admit that when we wrote this Constitution that all men are created equal, that we never intended to include our black brothers and sisters, our nation may end up facing exactly what the Egyptians faced when they refused to let God's people go.
So I'm going to say this to my white fellow Americans, that the bloodshed that is on its way is not on the hands of our fellow black Americans, but is on our hands. We are the ones that are refusing to let God's people go. We are the ones that are refusing to acknowledge that we do not value our black brothers and sisters as equal individuals or equal Americans as us white men. And to my black brothers and sisters, the racial issues, as I've said, have been there from the very foundation, but why do we see it more? Because there's a shifting. See, us white men have been at the head since the foundation. But we've had a black president. And you know, we've done everything in our power to keep him from really changing things. Now we have another minority rising to the top, a white female. What does that say? Those of us who are white men who have been at the head are now starting to see and fear that we are going to become the tail. And we know what we've done to you. And so now we're fearful that you're going to do to us what we have done to you. But I will say this. I've lived in a black community for 23 years. I've never been treated the way that this country has treated my black Americans. So I call out my white Americans to say we better heed, repent, acknowledge, and change. Because if we don't, I just want to again say this. The bloodshed that we will experience is on our hands, not the hands of our fellow black Americans. I welcome your comments. I welcome your feedback. Hit me up on Facebook or go to my webpage at www.studio2911.org. Again, that's studio2911.org. I don't necessarily know the answer except for us white Americans need to repent acknowledge the lies that we have taught, acknowledge our value system of equality, it is not here, and it does not include our black brothers and sisters. And we need to change, and we need to change now. Thanks for your time. Bless you. Show. <laughs> a special show 
are the killings of African American innocent blood, bloodshed, unarmed black men all over this country. And lately there's been some revenge. Five white families, five five white cops, five white cops gone. Because somebody didn't like it. But we don't know if that, that uh, we don't know if that's really revenge yet. We don't know, folks. We're gonna talk about that. Was the shooter the shooter? Or was this white militia trying to start a race war? Race race war. Because if you can put a black face on those killings, you can upset a whole lot of white people. And even though whites may not go out and take a black life, white supervisors and managers and people, those in charge, can make it very difficult when they are full of a spirit of revenge. I see the devil. I see Satan. This is what he do. Come to steal, kill, and destroy. Try to divide us. Try to get something going. But I don't know. One black man could have did all this. But uh, it's beginning to look impossible, folks. Anyway, again, this is Five Smooth Stones. I have on the line Brother Ella Shua, all the way from Dallas, Fort Worth. And we invited Brother Yashua from Cincinnati because Cincinnati uh, definitely... Uh, should be in the mix whenever we talk about police abuses. So, brothers, we're back. Want to thank y'all again for coming on the show. Uh, what do y'all think of that gentleman just now? The white gentleman that just shared. What do you think of that? Yeah, I uh, heard it previously. Um, I, I think it's great. I think it's uh, also fulfilling prophecy. Um, there's a scripture in the book of Isaiah, I believe, around the third chapter. Well, it talks about how the nations are going to grab a hold to the Jews, meaning the real Jews in the last days, to say, hey, we heard the Most High is with you. We want to come with you. And that's what I'm starting to see what happened all throughout social media now. Not that not just the gentleman that you play, but it's been um, also seen a clip of a lady that lives in the land of Israel, in our homeland. And she was talking about she did a video with her little son just addressing the African-American. She said, uh, you people are the true people of the Most High. You're the Most High's chosen people. We need you to come back to redeem the world and save all of us. And this lady lives in the land of Israel. So they're, they're starting to come out. The nations are starting to come out and acknowledge who we are. And it's a great thing because the fig tree is truly blossoming. As the Messiah said, when the fig tree starts to blossom, the time is getting near. And in that parable, of course, the fig tree was representative of the nation of Israel. So our people are truly starting to wake up to the fact of who we, who they are. That That's the first step in this big process. That's the first step in it. So I, I think that guy is uh, was known as, uh, you know, he, he reminds me of uh, Cornelius when I read about in Acts chapter 10. And it talks about how Cornelius was a Gentile, but he was, he gave much alms to the people, the children of Israel. And he prayed to the Most High always, but he was very generous with what he had to the Israelite people because he recognized that we were and still are the Most High's chosen people. So we have some Corneliuses in this day as well, and that, that guy seems to be one of them. Amen. And I think so as well. Um, I think that uh, what he said 
in regards to what I said is the ultimate answer, and he brought it almost to the door, but he didn't open the door as to what is the Most High's response to this situation, if indeed we are the children of Israel, if indeed we are in the land of captivity, and if indeed this is Babylon the Great. So we have a clear directive from the Most High in regards to how we deal with this situation, because we are definitely living in prophetic times. Uh, Seth, in regards to uh, the killing, the police shooting that took place in Dallas, well, I think that here's the issue with this, is that most people are conditioned to believe the official report because they've never questioned, never challenged it. And that, sir, is at the heart of white supremacy. Because white supremacy rests upon the basis that the people give a blind trust to a certain ethnic group and that basically everything that they stamp and approve because it comes off as official. But if we're going to deal with the official report, then let's deal with that. Let's go back in history and let's see that if this is a possibility that literally we may have a hoax here that was incited and done intentionally not by any militia group, but by arms of the government in which we live with the objective inciting a race war. So let's go back. First of all, let's go back to 1953. 1953, the places I ran. Uh, Iran has just disposed of this despotic monarch in the form of the Shah. The Shah escapes and gets refuge from the U.S. Now, why did they kick him out? Because he took the oil reserves of Iran, their number one primary natural resource, and he basically leased them out to the British government. And the British government came in there and they were taking all that oil and they were giving and they were selling that oil at discounted prices to European countries, but yet the people in Iran were living in abject poverty. Well, they elected democratically a prime minister, and his first duty was to naturalize the oil company, the oil wells, and he took it back. Well, the United States didn't like that. So what the United States did is they they designed and they planned, designed and orchestrated a coup d'état, in which they sent in architects with huge amounts of cash to cause an overthrow of the government. They even got local hoodlums and paid them to cause riots and uproars within the cities and within the there within the within the uh, uh, the major city of I think of Tehran there in Iran. So this is what they did, and eventually they they literally dethroned the democratically elected prime minister, and they re-implemented the Shah and took back controls of the oil well. So the situation that happened in 1979 during the Iran-Contra uh, hostage-taking, that was in retaliation to that. So first of all, let us be aware that our government is not above doing such things. They've done it in Syria. They've done it in Libya. And now let's come forward to a little bit more closer history. The year is, I believe it's 1963, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, of all places, ironically, in the city of Dallas-Fort Worth. Now, the murder was... Was, was officially say that it was done by a man named Lee Harvey Oswell. Lee Harvey Oswell did not possess the ability to carry off what took place there on that campus when JFK was killed. Now, G. Har- Lee Harvey Oswell, the next day, was being transferred from the city to the county in order to finish his interrogation. And in that, during that process, while he was still there inside the city jail, in city custody, Jack Ruby, a, a mobster, a gangster, walked in in the midst of Jack of, of Lee Harvey Oswald, surrounded by police officers, and shot him three times and killed him. So we never heard Lee, Har- Lee Harvey Oswald's story in regards to the assassination of JFK. Now let's come to a little bit further: <clears throat> the assassination of Martin Luther King. 
supposedly done by a man named James Earl Ray. James Earl Ray spent a number of years in prison for the murder of Martin Luther King. In the last years of his incarceration, he recanted his story, and he said that he was forced by the United States government to take the fall for that assassination. Now, in light of that information, and after he had went through a number of lie detectors, in light of that information, the King family filed suit against the United States government for being complicit in the assassination of Martin Luther King. Guess who won the suit? The King family did. And by them winning the suit, that is an admonition that they were complicit, devious, involved in the assassination of Martin Luther King. And at the time of Martin Luther King's death, the United States, through the Federal Investigation, uh, through the FBI, had Martin Luther King categorized as a terrorist. Now we have a man who had spent one tour in Afghanistan. He was not involved in active combat. He actually drove a food truck to bring, to transport food back and forth to the soldiers. He spent one stint. He has no marksman sharpshooter-type training. And now they're getting you to believe that he was able to carry out such a precision attack in a crowd of almost 2,000 people in a dark, on a darkly lit night and that he shot precisionly 10 white police officers without ever any direct hit to any civilian and direct hit to any police officer of color. The reason that the civilians were hit, they got hit by ricochet bullets off the ground. And now they want you to believe that they did, and, and, and that they were justified in sending a, a robot in with a bomb to retain or to detain one suspect as a threat. It's never been done in the history <coughs> of policing. Never. First time ever. And now we're taking this ambiguous figure and we're thinking that he was the one who had the ability to carry it out. I think not. And if you're an intelligent person and you have common sense, you should know that your government just insulted you at the highest matter. And they did that with the intent to incite a race war so that they could implement martial law. And what are they trying to what do they want to do this for? It's not about race. It's about what this nation is doing that we're not aware of. We're not aware that we have tanks pointed at the borders of Russia right now, inciting Russia into a war. It's all over other newscasts except in the United States. Putin himself, the president, this is not hearsay, did a special, had a, had a special newscast, a special news where he informed nations of around the world to let them know this is what's about to take place. And oddly enough, 99.9% of the United States citizens are unaware of it because they're living on a rock because we're so busy tuned into MTV, we're tuned into the televisions, and we're tuned into everything but what concerns us as a people. And that's what they have been banking on. Wow. You said a mouthful, brother. You said a mouthful, but I can't say I disagree with anything. That was a lot. That was a lot, but I want to pick at a little bit of it, not pick at it, but just highlight it. Again, folks, just for you, just tuning in, you listen to the five smooth songs. We're doing a special show tonight, not doing the Douglas Kennedy Family Defense Network tonight. Also, this is not a family show. This is not a time to have the kids around listening because you're going to hear some stuff tonight. Uh, just, I'm letting you know that right now. This is not a family show. This is an adult-only show. You hear a lot of profanity expression on this next I'm getting ready to play here. Uh, so then you're hearing some things that's very troubling to me, even adults, much less kids. So family, this is not a family show. All right, so tonight, Five Smooth Stone presenting this special show about the police shooting 
of African-American men, unarmed African-American men, bloodshed. And it's been going on a lot, folks. I put a little old promo together, and I had some pictures of some brothers that's been shot. But, folks, it's thousands of people. I told you Cincinnati. I left one of the reasons I left. I have never seen nothing like the police in Cincinnati. We used to march in front of their stations, and they would try to intimidate us by taking pictures of us. They shout names. They act sexual favors from girls. So many women, so many women have said different favors they ask. You know, you arrest a young lady, she don't want to go to jail. I mean, a lot of girls don't know nothing about no jail, have no record. And, you know, cops say, you know, you do this, I'll let you do that, you know. And it's happening, folks. It ain't just one or two people. It's several women. That situation that happened to happen with the name Diablo uh, in New York. Is it my son's name? Help me out. I can never say his last name. Diablo. I think I'm saying it right. I'm going to do Diablo, yeah. Yes. What happened to that guy happened in Cincinnati? Y'all know what happened without me getting into it. This is, you know, I'm trying to keep this at least PG. But what happened to him happened in Cincinnati, you know, over the Rhine. Police get off on doing that. They'll see one cop do something, they'll do it in their city. <laughs> Our police department is off the chain. And then what, what gets me and some of our brothers and sisters, I'm talking about black people now and Hispanic people, that's on these forces that see this and it's got this doggone code of silence. But let's go a little deeper, folks. That's all kind of, those are leads. That's not the root. The root hey, is more. Just one thing, Corey said, if you don't mind, inject about the code of silence. The brother said that the blood of, of that's going to be shed in the street is on their hands. Let's be clear. That if there was a lone gunman that, that that carried out what took place in Dallas over the weekend, let's not be let's not be unclear about whose blood that is on hand. For every police officer who has observed another police officer violate a suspect's right, a citizen's right, for every police officer who's seen who has observed another police officer observe another, uh, a, I mean, abuse a person while they're in custody, for every one who has seen police officers engage in racial conversations that is demeaning to people of minorities, and you haven't said something about it, those police officers' blood is on your hands. Let's be real clear about it, because it is the police brutality that created the condition that led to that situation, if that was the actions of one person retaliating against a government who has yet not given us resolution. That gentleman who was profiled, who was killed in Minnesota, that man had been pulled over 52 Time since 2011, he was profiled. So let's be real clear about that. We're going to talk about blood on the hands, and we're talking about guilt. Well, let's be real that every police officer who has stood up and who has taken an oath to protect and serve, will you also have an obligation to protect him from your fellow officer if your fellow officer is a rogue police officer and behaving in a way that is not conducive to the conduct of a police officer to a person who has been put there to protect and preserve and serve that citizen, not to humiliate him? Not to abuse him. So if I was in a job and there was wrong things being taken place and I didn't say anything, I would be just as guilty and culpable as the next person that carried out the action. So goes likewise the police force. They are not exempt. And and they and the police said that we are asking police officers to do more than what's required of them. No, we're not. We're asking them to treat every person that they come in contact with dignity and respect as a human being. 
that's not going above the order. That's not going above the call of duty. That's required for every human being that lives in a civilized society. Amen. It's very true. It's very true. And we got a lot of uh, some some family members on the force, and I don't get this whole code of silence. I mean, you selling your soul. You know, I remember in Cincinnati by White Castle. You know, this one black man was in White Castle dancing around. He was in a good mood, good mood. And I remember he ended up dead in just a couple hours outside that White Castle when they was trying to, you know, they put this arm lock on you. People don't understand. They talk about this, about this resisting. But we're human beings, and you cannot allow another person to jump on top of you, uh, arm wrestle you, hand around their, your throat, and you're not, and you just lay still. Be still, be still. It, you're gonna fight back. It's a human. It's, it's human nature. It's like telling Rodney King, get on the ground. And you, you, you see blows coming. You want to block yourself from those blows. I want to lay down, but these blows are coming. I'm, I'm a, you know. But, but listen, let, let, let's get, let's go a little deeper here. I want us to go a little deeper. So, family, again. Got the family on the line, got the public on the line, got a lot of followers of Five Smooth Stones on the line, phone line full of people. Again, press 1 if you want to comment. Either way, you don't have to live in Dallas. Press 1 if you want to comment or say anything on this show. Okay? Remember, family and friends of Five Smooth Stones, this is not a PG show. This is an adult-only show, okay? You're going to hear some profanity tonight, I know for certain. So just be aware of that. All right, this ain't no Christian show tonight. We're just going to lift up Christ. But this is a show where we're inviting all types of people, allowing them to speak as, as freely as they want. Having said that, Brother LSU, I want to come to you. I want to comment, then I want to come to you, then I want to go to Brother uh, uh, brother Yashu. I'm going to go to you after I make this comment. So here's the comment. Why do they hate us? Or why do they disrespect us? Because that's the bottom line. And, you know, I remember Spike Lee was on the other night, and, and Spike Lee's been speaking out against, uh, on this forever. And they asked him, Spike, what's, what's, the, what's the solution? Spike said, I don't know. But I believe I know. And it's okay if you know. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. But I believe I know. I think those cops are acting 100% normal. I'm going to say it again. I think those cops are acting 100% normal for what's in their head. I think blacks killing blacks Friday, Saturday nights is acting 100% normal. God made man perfect. He made. He says, and it is good. There's nothing wrong with us in terms of when we do something, it's oftentimes for a reason. Those cops saw a legitimate threat. Through their eyes, there was a legitimate threat. And even if they hate them, it's a legitimate reason in their minds why they hate. So let me explain what I'm saying here. If all your life you told that these black people are no good, dirty, below us, are supposed to serve us, look at Africa, 
nothing good come out of Africa. That's proof who they are. They black skin was given to them because they're cursed. And your pastor, your pastor black folk, your pastor Hispanic people, and your pastor white people are teaching that dark skin is a result of a curse on him. Again, like Louis Farrakhan say, whether you agree with him on everything he said, but he nailed it on this one when he said, we have been portrayed as a boogeyman in this country. And what do you do? What do good, nice Christians do to the boogeyman? You kill it. You defame it. You put it down. Those white men and those black cops that are abusing us are doing what comes normal for a person subscribing to white supremacy. White supremacy is the root family, not the little things they do and all the misconduct of the cops. They're just acting what their belief system is. I saw a white man the other day on a video, a true video, live video, he was waving a gun, and it was cops all around him. I want to know, brothers, that y'all see this video. This man was waving, and these cops was taking cover behind cars just in case he shoot. They let him wave the gun, but when he began to wave at them, one cop, they must have told him, you're the shooter. One cop fired a shot, and he went down. But wherever he shot the man at, the man got back up in like two minutes. So it wasn't life-threatening. These cops know what they're doing. That was a white man, though. He's like a god in America. Everything, all of us are brainwashed to serve white people. All of us are raised and bred to serve white people. All of our education is to serve white people. They don't come out and say it like that. But what are you saying when you ignore where I'm from? And you have me so messed up in my head as a people that I make statements like, I ain't from Africa. Some of y'all saying that right now today. You sick if you do. Then Africans come over here and they see you look just like them. You got the same nose, the same hair, the same lips. And you're saying stuff like, I ain't from Africa. Everybody's from Africa. Some later than others. Self-hate. Self-hate is a black psychologist calling it. We are full of self-hate. That's why when a black man gets up the, on his feet and get money, a lot of times he turns to white women. It's natural. He's supposed to. It's it's the natural order. It's not the natural order. If you're raised around white supremacy, you constantly see black folks put down, put down. You never hear nothing good. You never look at an Ebony Jet magazine. I know they, you know, I don't know if they're still around, but you don't never see anything positive about your people. It's not natural for you to be with a black woman. And then some of us be with them, and that's why the abuse comes. We don't value that woman. But when we get ourselves a white girl, she got real hair. She ain't got to go get no extensions. She got it flowing from her head. <laughs> I mean, here is what we all trying to be like. This black women, a lot of times, those that are full of white supremacy. I'm not saying everybody get their hair done, but I'm saying a lot of that hair stuff is trying to be like white girls. I'm just being honest. A lot of what black men do, we try to be like white guys. When do we, I want to ask this question to black Americans before I bring on Yahshua. I got a question. I used to say this all the time on Cincinnati Radio Station WCBG. It's going to sound controversial, but just think about it, family and friends of Five Stones. Think about it. When did we learn to be black? 
when do we learn to really be black? Some of y'all don't like Garvey. You don't like Farrakhan. You you barely follow Martin Luther King Jr. But Martin Luther King Jr. went on no campaign to just, just talk about blackness. The only thing he about blackness is people like Garvey and Elijah Muhammad. When do we ever learn and to cherish blackness? I guarantee if you think about it and you be fair and honest with yourself, you'll say, Seth, cousin, friend, I missed that class. When did you learn to treasure your black nose? What what class did you go to? When you learn to really, when you see the big black lips moving around, you love to see it. What class did you go to? When did you learn to love Africa? To where when you see Africa, you almost want to kiss them. Did you make that class? Where would you want to go when you get money for vacation? Paris, France. We are white people learning to be black. I promise to God. This is what God showed me years ago. We have adopted to the philosophy of white supremacy. We look at black people through the eyes of white people. That's why back in the day they really used to say this, that the black man's eyes wasn't as cold as the white man's eyes. That's not a myth. So I'm saying this stuff is still around today. We, some of us, some of us are more red than others, and we know better. We, we've learned some good things about our people, and it, it, thank God it's changing because the voices are out there, and we're learning and we're reading, and we, we, we're valuing more black life. But, and even a lot of white people, like the guy who was on earlier, he's reading, and he's going to a church, and he lives around blacks. Okay, it's changing. It's changing. But you still got a lot of those same mentalities around. And I'm going to tell you this then, Brother Yashua comes on. Folks, please, if you don't get nothing from your cousins tonight, understand this. White supremacy is not just about white people. White supremacy is a philosophy, and anybody that's a student that was in that class is practicing. You say, I ain't took no class. Yes, you did. If you're around, if you're not reading up on black literature, you're in the class of white supremacy. If you're not hearing good things about Africa, you're in the class of white supremacy because America's TV is going to educate you. If, you, if, you're, not, if you're not in no listening to no TV, you're in the woods somewhere, you're not listening to nothing, okay, then you're not in the class. But if your TV is on, you're in the class of white supremacy. You've got to go outside of ABC, CBS, CNN, and get a hold of some other types of book like Dr. Francis Chris Wilson, uh, you know, even the Nation of Islam, you got to look, listen to some people that's pro-black to become black. Otherwise, we got this hatred, this impatient with each other. Of course, that nigga shot all them people. What y'all talking about on this show? Talking about he didn't shoot up. Yeah, that nigga did that. I mean, if you're thinking like that, we can't help you. I'm telling you, the root tonight, I want to establish the root. White people is not our problem. I ain't got no hate for no white people. I got hate for white supremacy. And white supremacy is a philosophy anybody can believe it and act out. And that's what's happening when boys look in the mirror, these young boys, they don't have no value. You can see it when you look at them, they look down, they can't look in your eye, they don't have no value. And they get stopped by cops who don't value them either. That's a recipe for disaster. And then blacks looking at each other, you don't have you have low stuff thing, they have low stuff thing, you don't value black life, y'all you step on this shoe, he shoot you over some darn tennis shoes. Look at the reason our young black men, that's the one, that's the real murderer. The real murderer family is not the white man, 
in our community, it's these black young boys. There's more lives in Chicago being taken by black boys than cops could do all of them combined. If you combine all of the black-on-black crimes in L.A., New York, Chicago, Dallas, Shreveport, St. Louis, okay, get all those numbers, and then put the numbers of the cops that shooting black men unarmed. I guarantee you'd be embarrassed. It's, it's, they, our killers are all people. And it's because they don't have value. Why don't they have value? Who taught them that they was, didn't have value? Why do they ascribe to more welcome? Oh, my goodness. Don't get me started. All right, Brother Yashua, otherwise I'll talk the whole show, and I don't want to do that. Brother Yashua. Yes. I know you have something on that. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I think uh, a lot of stuff that we said so far, all of us put together, is very, very good, very, very informative. Um, I hope the listener audience is really listening and to go back and really take these things to light because a lot of people ask, you know, what can we do? And what we're asking is to turn back to the Most High. Uh, that's going to help all of us as a nation of people turn back to the Most High. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, white supremacy is something that a lot of people don't realize that is in black people, a.k.a. Israelite people as well, uh, the way we treat each other, the way we, you know, a lot of things. And um, a lot of people turn turn the coin on our own head. Every time something like this happens, I always hear, well, black men shoot other black men. Well, what about that? And I'm sure with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, that's what they always hear as well, is that why don't you protest when one black man kills another black man? Um, there are some differences, not just as far as the uh, the race of the people or the skin color, but when a black man kills another black man, he gets to go to jail, he gets prosecuted, he gets his time served as he's supposed to. But it seems that every time the police kills a black man unjustifiably, nothing seems to happen, you know. So that's pretty much what they're protesting about. That's what's going on. Um and just just looking at the whole thing and just sitting back, um, I was just thinking about uh, ever since this happened the other day that you had mentioned, um, you know, like this one man couldn't have did that by itself. And I, I totally agree. I mean, you have to be some type of sharpshooter to to hit all of these people you intend to hit in that crowd from that distance. And, yeah, I, I definitely uh that's an expert type of marksman type of shooting, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then no, no, uh, no innocent bystander really got shot, as far as nobody that he didn't intend to get shot. I think except the one lady uh, in the leg because they ricocheted off the ground or something. So, you know, yes. it's just like they always do. Uh, Thirty, forty years later, they'll come out with the truth and say, "Hey, he was really a CIA or anything," just like they always do. With a whole lot of other things So, But what's ironic is that um, I know every time something happens here In Cincinnati They'll get on the news and say uh, Don't rush the judgment You know, Let the investigation come out And this and that But they don't do that in this case In this case it was just They didn't say we gotta wait to the full investigation This and that They just totally demonized the man You know what I mean But I, I want it to be fair across the board You know, fair across the board so, again, just um, just looking at this whole thing, we're living in the last days right now, so it's really winding down, and it's really time to get real serious about where our true salvation lies. When we say salvation, we're talking about, yes, our eternal salvation, but we're talking about even what's going to save us from what's ahead, 
from this storm to come, you know, however it may come and whenever it may come. But we know that it's coming. You know, uh, chaos, chaos is going to be all throughout this world. But what is our salvation? How can we be saved through it? We have to know the truth and rest in the most high. We have to know the truth and um, and the truth, as the scripture says, the truth will set you free. You know, so um, that's pretty much all I got on that. Brother Ellis Shaw. Well, um, again, we go back to, um, I think what you said about white supremacy is at the root of everything that we're experiencing in regard to this relationship between blacks and white in America. <clears throat> But as you said, white supremacy does not just impact, affect, or impact black people. It affects every people on the face of the planet. White supremacy right now, for you to have had to go through a diatribe as you did to explain white supremacy, is ridiculous. Because any person living on the planet past the age of 25, <clears throat> you should have looked at something, observed something, to come to a conclusion that white people rule and govern everywhere they go. It's not just America. It's everywhere they go. White supremacy is a global ideology. It's more than even just a philosophy. It's an ideology. It is a worldview. It is the way that you see the world. And for anyone to say, no, I don't see the world through the lens of white supremacy. Yes, you do. How can you be brought up in a nation that is committed to the experimentation of white supremacy and not see the world through white supremacy? Every class that you sat in from first grade to 12th grade was instructing you and educating you in the form of white supremacy. Right supremacy government and everything that goes on in this nation is the motivation behind many things that take place. The statistics that are, that are gathered together, they're gathered not to defy, but they're gathered to object, to rationalize white supremacy. Here's one for instance, please, everyone who's listening, if you're into the thing of building self-esteem among black people, quit saying black on black crime. It's a miscomparison. 85% of people that are killed, that are, of white people that are killed in America each year, are murdered by white people. If you live in a community and you are a criminal, the most probable victims of your criminality are going to be people within that community. So if you're in a white community, they're going to be white. If you're in a black community, they're going to be black. And if you're in a Hispanic community, they're going to be Hispanic. People, That's we got to start thinking. That's we're just letting people say stuff and program us because as we think, it's how we act. As a man thinks, so is he. So we have to start listening to what's being said because, first of all, here's the thing. What the white brother said, the Gentile said, and all he did was echo, and I guarantee you even the information that he got, he got it from somebody, a brother or a sister who has already been enlightened. <clears throat> and here's the reality. That is the ultimate objective, is that we are in a land, and let us not forget this, and I'll say this every time I get an opportunity to say this, tonight, we're in the land of our enemies, and they are treating us as such. And white supremacy is so inundated and entrenched in the culture. There is nothing we can say or do at this point in time, neither we or the world, to roll back that progressive ball. Your swing is so hard and so deep. I gotta do this. Allow me thirty seconds to just read this really quick. This is gonna be all the areas okay. affected. Because what people, when you say, because I, I, I got this Expo thirty, and I want to read this really quick. You mind? Uh, it's just, it's going to just 30 seconds, literally. This brother is hitting on something. When he say all the errors, here's the errors of life we, we're saying is affected by white supremacy. Listen, folks. Every single topic I name, 
is an area where we can bring in professions that can say, oh, this area is more saturated white supremacy. Every single time I mention an area, here we go. Education, religion, in the area of social, self-identity, health and wellness, medicine, imagery, just the images alone. You couldn't even talk or hear anything. Family, nutrition, health and nutrition, excuse me, just nutrition and food. Laws, bylaws, unspoken laws, customs, law enforcement, judicial, correction, uh, discipline and rehab, uh, entertainment, sexual, news and vital information, military and defense, foreign policy, foreign behavior, science and technology, housing and accommodations, transportation, environmental dangers, the difference between white environmental uh, and areas and where we live, lead poisoning and all this stuff, economics with regards to labor, economics with regards to billing, assessment, debt, who's charged the most, and get the less quality, economics with regards to financial access, grants, loans, debt release, subsidies, economics where it relates to financial information, how privy some things are that whites know that we never heard of, privy information. That's just to name a few. Go ahead. Yes. So, again, it permeates every aspect of our living. And, and, and matter of fact, if you want to put white supremacy in an economic factor, then you just basically correlate it with greed. Uh, but here's the thing. White supremacy is so advanced in its progression that white supremacy in the scripture is literally, uh, as I would say, embodied in the term of the government of the beast. And that's what we're contending with. So here's the thing, is that there will be many attempts to rectify what we are now constantly experiencing, and they will all come null of all ineffective. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to, in a sense, get a system to reevaluate itself and change its very core being. This thing, this nation was born, was bred in the fires of white supremacy. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get this yes, thing to change its course. And so and, and until we understand that, it's like literally it's futile for us to think that things are going to be altered in order to accommodate us to live as free beings, specifically black people. And here's why. Because we have to go back to the heart of the matter. Because we can give all the practical answers that we can. We can go out through all the statistics. Uh, Brother Yeshua, yourself. Me, we're, we're capable of, we can take the next two hours and just deal with the statistics and we can lay out understanding the situation as it is. But here's the thing. You said, what is the solution? In order to solution, you have to understand and know what the problem is. And then, here's the thing. We're not just hated or we're just not frowned upon or treated negatively in this culture by white people. With, as you just said, we're treated negatively in this culture by our very own people. And that is the result of the thought process that have developed the attitudes in which they carry. That's why I come, if you're talking about changing a police force, well, then that means simply put, what you're going to have to do is that you're going to probably have to fire 80% of the officers. Because 80% of the officers think in terms of white supremacists. 
And so they'll operate upon the same paradigm and orientation in which you said that they see us as criminals. As a matter of fact, that is why the police force is in existence today. That's why it was created in order to protect white citizens from the violence and the atrocities or any aggression of slaves, of, of not slaves, but of black people during the, t- during the time of Jim Crow. So that's where we get to that. But here's the thing. I'm going to read this, and then I'll turn it right back over to you. <clears throat> because we have to see this in the context. Of a lot of people on this line are what we consider born again. A lot of people on this line do have a what we consider a God conscience. So if that's being the case, then let's see what he has to say about this matter. And specifically, what does he have to say about us? It says, so Amen. Many come in my name. It says, okay, I'm going to read from Matthew 24. I'm going to begin with the fifth verse. The Messiah is speaking. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. What's a rumor of war? You ever considered that? What's a rumor of a war? It's kind of like a war on terror. You know, in its compositing, it really doesn't exist. But it's a rumor. It's a war on terror. Who is the who is the objective? You know, who are we fighting? We don't know. It's a rumor of war. And so, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation. Now, uh, the word nation, I'm reading from the New Testament, was originally written in a language called Koine Greek. And the Greek word for nation, where we get derived the English word nation, comes from the word ethnos. It means ethnicity. We many times misapply the word race when we're actually talking about ethnicity. Like if we talk about people in Africa, we obviously know that 99.9% of the people in Africa are black. So we can't be talking about race when we say they, you know, uh, when we're talking about Africa, because Africa is made up of many, many hundreds of na- hundreds of nations within that continent. So we have to speak in terms of ethnicity. So he's saying ethnicity shall rise against ethnicity. Race wars, yes. And kingdoms shall rise against kingdom. That means governments against governments. And there should be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then he says, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Who are you talking to, Jesus? Who are you talking to, Yahweh Shah? Because you said then you should be afflicted. Who are you talking to? They should deliver you up to be afflicted. Who are you talking to? Well, we know that he was talking to the 12 apostles. What is the ethnicity of the 12 apostles? The Israelites. The misnomer that's coming from Christian teaching is that he was talking to Christians and that those apostles represented Christians. No, they, no, he didn't. Because he didn't even come to Christians, quote, quote, unquote. He didn't come to Gentiles. He says he came into his own and his own received him not. He came to Israel. So that in itself is the misnomer. So, again, lost what say. Okay, okay. Now, so down to the last verses here. Uh, and you should hear, okay, verse verse 8. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you should be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Now, let's be clear within the context of this scripture. This is Matthew 24. This is on the Mount of Olives. They're looking over into the temple. The apostles have remarked at how glorious the temple looks. And then the Messiah, Jesus, Yahweh, begins to speak in regarding to what is the future, the destiny of that temple, of the city, and of these people. 
and he says that stone should be stone that should uh, that one stone should be thrown upon another. Not one stone would be left. The temple would be destroyed. He went on to say, after the temple would be destroyed, you will be cast out of Judea. They will drive you out. That took place, and those Israelites went suddenly on the southerly course. Suddenly, course from Israel is Africa. Okay, and then he says all these things are going to take place, and you will be hated. So here's the thing. No matter what attempts we make to rectify and bring resolution to this situation, and they may be a resolution for a temporary period of time, but we're dealing with attitudes and people are going to resort right back to who they were. So here's the thing. We have to understand why is this happening to us? Why are we the victims of this European aggression and oppression? It's because of who we are. And it's going to continue to happen until the brother said, like he said, and he's repeating the words of Moses, until Pharaoh decides to let his people go. And then we go back to the scriptures on this, because now this is the best time to introduce this. And I may be quiet from here and point on out, because I may be, as I said, look at somebody who just stepped out for a rock. When unfortunately, a lot of people are living under the rock. Revelation chapter 7, verse 18. We go to Revelation chapter 18, verses 4 through 6. And this is the ultimate remedy for what we are dealing with, and it's going to come down to this whether people believe it or not. Go for because it. Because if we go according to the Scriptures, there's going to be blood in the streets. The Scriptures have declared it. They've decreed it. And anyone who thinks that they can go co- co- uh, go against that or contrary to that, you're just fooling yourself. So when preachers stand up in their church on Sunday mornings and they pray about these issues and they address these issues, I'm just going to be real direct with you. People, if they're not coming from the scriptures and these issues are not addressed within the context of the prophetic scriptures, all they're doing is just speaking out the side of the neck. All they're doing is giving you temporary consolation. But the problem Go is going to exist and it will exist. Now, Revelation chapter 18, verses 4 through 6. The prophet, and remember the word that is given, this is the revelation of Shot, revelation of Jesus. Not the book of Revelation, but the revelation of Jesus. And he says, through the prophet John, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. Now remember, this is not me. So please let me get it right. Revelation chapter 18, verses 4 through 6. Now, now hold on, not, hold on, bro, right. brother Elishua, because I know exactly where you're going, and I want you to talk about that for a while. So let's do this, because you're about to open up a barrel of worms, and that is, I don't want you to say that then got to stop, because I want you to elaborate on that, okay, if you don't okay. mind. What you're about to say, I want you to elaborate. I don't want you to just say it, then we got to go to a break. No, I want you to elaborate. We'll probably just do a whole session on that, okay? So remember, we're in Revelations. I will let him hit that in a minute, because there are a lot of people that think like what this brother's about to present. Some of y'all feel like you don't know what he's about to say yet. I understand that. But I want to do this. I want to play another clip. Uh, this is about another gentleman, white gentleman, because we want to hear from, from what they got to say as well as what we got to say. We only got a few little clips here from our white brothers and sisters. But I want I like to share the different things they're saying that lines up with what we're saying. Not that we need them to validate us. Uh, that would be white supremacy. We ain't on that. But I do want to, them to share because we are... We are truly a human family, folks. Check this out. I'm going to be back to hear what Brother Elishua has to say in the book of Revelation. And uh, then after that, we'll hear from Brother Yahshua. Okay? All right. Check this out, folks. This 
is something. <laughs> this is truly something. We'll be right back. I'm coming to you here in my truck today. I got a Ford F-150. I like it. Yeah, I'm a redneck. I always have been, but his rednecks were formed. Many years, I was a racist, and I didn't like blacks. I used to call me N-word and whatnot. And now I come a point realize there's some personal experiences. White people are racist. Not all of them. But white culture is. Our white country is. Our nation is. Our American culture is full of white supremacy. And we live in a white supremacist culture that caters to white people. Everything from the media to education to art to culture to politics is whitewashed. What is not whitewashed? As far as the status quo, as far as the dominant culture, everything's whitewashed. This country was built for white people. And it's time us Americans, us white Americans, came to terms with that and realized we're benefiting from that. We created slavery. We created a culture and a system of white supremacy that has benefited us for 400 years. You think maybe it's about time we stop being lazy as white people and take some fucking responsibility. I can tell you as an ex-redneck, as an ex-racist, now I'm still a redneck. I boat, fish, hunt, whatever the fuck I want to do. I'll drink a beer. I eat too much pork, barbecue. You can tell looking at me. But my point is, and yeah, y'all can call me fat. I don't give a damn. I'm going to always have a lot of haters. I always have. But there's a new South, new America. That's called white racial responsibility. And it's time we all took some, y'all. So let's take a little bit of white racial responsibility. Let's start by standing up against it. Let's recognize that in every American institution, education, financial, health care, justice, for God's sake, it's injustice in the police departments and our police officers, many of them. And when I talk, I'm not talking about all. I ain't saying all white people are bad. I'm saying we've got an evil called white supremacy in this damn culture. Stop being defensive. Get off your fucking ass and do something about it. Speak up. Don't ever listen. Don't ever, ever ignore racism. If you hear something racist, fucking stand up as a white American. Take some fucking responsibility. It's the inaction that has always destroyed other peoples and other nations. It's the inaction. It's the indifference. It's that damn, oh, well, it'll take care of itself attitude. Oh, I don't see color. By God, you better fucking see color. If you don't see color, then how the fuck are you going to help it? How are you going to fix it? Our system sees color. Our culture sees color. We're indoctrinated to see colors. Don't tell me you can't fucking see color. Motherfucker, see color. See the black experience. See the brown experience. See what we did to Native Americans. See what colonization did. Look at what the fuck with the Crusades did. Get educated. Open a fucking book. Read, watch a fucking video. 
Watch Roots again. <laughs> Watch Malcolm X. Do something. Think outside of the fucking white box. Black people live it every fucking day. Brown people live it every fucking day. Think beyond your own fucking experience. Think beyond your own self. Imagine the privileges that you have just because of your fucking skin. I ain't saying you ain't suffered. We all suffer. Stop being defensive. What I'm saying is, is that we get certain privileges. We're not harassed by the police. Okay? We're not denied a house loan or denied to live in a neighborhood. We're not uncomfortable living in rural America. I'm not uncomfortable living in rural America, but I tell you what, a lot of black people don't even want to fucking drive through where I live. Why? Racist. We're fucking racist. So I'm not saying white people are bad. Stop being defensive. I'm saying take some fucking responsibility. All people are equal. God made us that way. Well, let's knock this fucking supremacy out of our fucking country. So I'm just saying white America, wake up. Look in the fucking racial mirror and look at what we have done. Look at how we benefit. And let's do something about it. Let's speak up. Let's vote. Let's create legislation and policies to fight against this shit. Let's make things fair and equal. Let's take some responsibility and never, ever, ever ignore any form of racism that you see or experience or witness. Always speak up and act up. Please. Thank you. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. And as I said to a group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. Don't let anybody take your manhood. Be proud of our heritage, as somebody said earlier tonight. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. They couched it in language. They made everything black, ugly, and evil. Look in your dictionary and see the synonyms of the word black. It's always something degrading and low and sinister. Look at the word white. It's always something pure, high and clean. But I want to get the language right tonight. I want to get the language so right that everybody... He will cry out, Yes, 
I'm black, I'm proud of it. I'm black and beautiful. Well, it's MLK and a redneck. <laughs> what a contrast. Well, I hope everyone didn't have kids around when we played the redneck. Uh, but I did warn you ahead of time that this is definitely not for kids. And you got to remember, family, everybody in our family and all of our friends, because i got friends listening from the um, Five Smooth Stone Network. Some of y'all talk like that. And it's it's our people. I mean, that's, that's, that, that wouldn't be life if everybody's saying, talking to, you know, so anyway, hopefully y'all wasn't offended by his language. What did y'all think of the redneck and then MLK? Uh, brother uh, Yeshua, why don't you go ahead and speak, and then we'll turn the mic back over to Brother Elishua, because he was about to go down a very slim road there. Go ahead. Well, I wish uh, more people thought like that, more white people thought like that, you know, how he was able to say, you know, put yourself in somebody else's shoes pretty much. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like... Uh, the majority of people in this nation are able to do that. You know, put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand the plight that they're going through. Understand, because um, all of America, the media always seems to be very insensitive about our plight and what we go through. You know, I know um, a few months back, I'm sure y'all heard about it at the uh, Cincinnati Zoo when a kid got in, inside of the uh, the gorilla Enclosure. Oh, yeah, the world heard. They had to kill the gorilla. Right, right. They had to kill the gorilla, and, oh, man, it was a big outrage. But these two brothers just died uh, last week, and it wasn't a big outrage over that. You know, two human beings dying, but when that gorilla died, I mean, it was a big outrage all over. They were saying they wanted somebody to pay. They tried to make the mother be prosecuted. Just all type of stuff, you know. Uh, I also remember when the, um, I think it was the dentist, when he went to Africa and shot and killed a lion. He had to go into hiding for a while because people were threatening to kill his life. But what about the mother that just lost her son, or these two brothers? Um, wasn't doing anything wrong, especially nothing worthy of death, you know. Um, what about the, 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 the child that's going to grow up without a father and all these different things? us, another member of our nation being lost to a senseless killing, and um, a lot of times the media don't portray it that way. You know, whenever they're about to do a massive campaign of exterminating the people, they always use propaganda to make us look bad. So I think some of the things that you hit on earlier saying, hey, they're, they're acting normal, actually, because of how they were raised and everything that was flooded into their brain growing up in America from the time that they were born, telling them that, you know, black men are dangerous, black men are bad, and things like that. That's why they just all of a sudden shoot us for anything, because that's how and they... Brother Yashua, I want to correct something you just said. It's not they. It's us. Mm-hmm. It's America. Right, it's black right. people. is just as deadly with that. I mean, right. think about it. You know black people mm-hmm. all your life that have made crazy statements. They're in our hood. Mm-hmm. They're living with us. But there's something strange right. about them. They always oppressing right. black people. It's white supremacy. We oppress each right. other. Look, right. and you can finish your comment, but listen, when there ain't no white people around, and we look in the mirror, ain't nobody around us. We oppress ourselves. Yeah. We don't like right, our own dark right. skin. How many times you heard black people knocking, I'm too black. And then when they see somebody blue back, they be like, oh, my God. 
blue black. Mm-hmm. Oh, ooh. Mm-hmm. That's self-hate, man. The original people of this planet was dark-skinned. It's cool. Right. God told Adam, right. thus thou art, thus shall thou return. Well, we don't know how Adam looked. But he said you're going to return to what you are, and everybody, when they die, they goes dark. Mm-hmm. Man, God right. made man from the dust of the earth. Everything has color. There's nothing. I said this, and I'm, I want you to finish. Like, this just get me worked up, man. Listen, fam, I've said this on my family show, and I'm going to say it to you, some of these five smooth stone people. Y'all have heard me say this over the years. Look outside your window. Everything you see got color. You don't see nothing but brown and green. How in the world you think God made man of something other than either brown or green? Well, look outside your window again. Or when you're on the freeway tomorrow, you ride through the, the, the city, look around your city and tell me, do you see anything the color of white skin? It's not to put them down because they're listening right now. And I would never, ever do something to bring God's wrath upon me. It's not to put you down. I'm going to say this. There's nothing the color of light-skinned black people. Let me say that one again. There's nothing the color of light-skinned black people. I'm going to say it one more time. There's nothing the color of light-skinned black people. Why? Because light skin is a recessive trait from dark skin. White skin is a recessive trait from dark skin. The original of everything was dark. It's not an inferior, superior thing. But go ask the scientists what happens when you have more pigmentation. You get in trouble with the sun. It's not you person, the person get in trouble. It's a, a law. It's a scientific law that melanated people are better off. It's more healthier. It's more food. It's in the food. I met with a doctor one time. He told me, don't call it uh, albinism. In the, when you're talking about plants, it's called, I think it's leucism, L-E-U. Y'all on the Internet, Google it, leucism. L-E-U-I-S-M, leucism, is albinism in plants, and there's albinism in insects, there's albinism in, in animals, where you lose pigmentation. It's not a good thing. Under the old, old, old dispensation, that was considered a curse. It don't matter now, thanks to Christ and him dying, and we all been set free by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, excuse me, leucism is what's in animals. Leucism, L-E-U-C-I-S-M, is where you don't have pigmentation. So I'm saying we, we hate our black skin. We miseducated. And then the people that, you know, that was that was recessive in the old dispensation, it's done flipped around, uh, Brother Yeshua. They're feeling superior. Mm-hmm. I say right. none of it's right. superior. If you got melanin, great. But everything comes from dark. Dark hair, light hair comes from dark hair, light eyes come from dark eyes, light skin come. Everything comes from dark skin people. That's why Africa is the mother of civilization. So when you're looking at a blue black person, you could be looking at Adam while you're playing. So go ahead with what you were saying, Yashua. I just had to get that in. Right, right. Well, yeah, that was good. That was really good. Um, actually, I want to. Um, I was pretty much done, but I wanted uh, Brother Elishua to finish up where he was going in the book of uh, Revelation, though. Because I wanted to hear it as well. Go for it, brother. Okay. Uh, I want to go there. I want to end up real quick right there. I want to mention something that I had touched on in Matthew 24. And something that we need to be aware of. Because really, uh, I want to pull this into what we're dealing with the issue of Revelation. Um, in Matthew 24 there, when it says that um, in the verse 2014, 
And it says, Then many shall many be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. <clears throat> and because of iniquity, of sin, the breaking of the commandment, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. The same shall be saved. He that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. So, I just want everybody, I want to touch on that because I want us to know that literally, prophetically speaking, the things that we're seeing, our nation is not in a vacuum. It's not an isolated issue. We have to understand that these type of things are taking place all around the world. Uh, we witnessed the situation in Libya, Syria, Greece, Egypt. They are not happening in just isolated spots. We are literally in the last days, the end times. The last days began with, with the resurrection of the Mashiach, of the Messiah, of Christ. But now, we're in the end times. Where is what you would say in a football game, in a basketball game? We're in the last quarter. And so now, that could last for three years, that could last for 15 years, it could last the next 20 years, but we're there. And we have to recognize that. And we have to begin to take these prophecies and the things that the Messiah said to us, we have to take them to heart and begin to live our lives and govern our lives according to that wisdom. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, not in the way of sinners, not who sits not in the seat of scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law does he meditate day and night. He's like a tree that's planted by the rivers that flourish. So we can even flourish and we can be successful and we can be victorious in the roughest and most difficult of times. But now, people, we got to turn the radio off, turn the TV off. Our preachers got to stop entertaining us and they got to bring us with the truth. The truth. And if you don't know the truth, be humble enough to acknowledge that you don't and find some place and get it. Get on your face before the most high. Quit trying to uphold something that is dying. We have to give people the truth. Because as as you said, Brother Yeshua, I think it was you who said that. You said you should know the truth. And the truth should set you free. Right. Not hearsay. Not religion. Not Christian tradition. The truth should set you free. Revelation chapter 17, verse 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Hey, Brother Alishore. Let yes, me sir. interrupt you just for a second. Uh, i got to tell everybody at 10 o'clock, those of you that clicked on the link to listen to this show, you clicked on the link, you're going to be disconnected in 60 seconds unless you call the phone number. 914 Oh five 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 nine. Oh, that number should be on the text you got or the email you got. Okay, go right here, brother. In Revelation seventeen verse six, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Jehovah shot, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration, with great admiration, because she was so demonstrative. She was beyond anything he could conceive in his imagination. I think you saw her before. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore did it stop for I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her away. Now that woman is Babylon, mystery Babylon. Not geographical Babylon that is located in Iraq, that has been nothing more or less than a desert waste place for hundreds and hundreds of years, just as the society. 
got music. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is the prophet Isaiah State. Sorry about that. You know that happens with Blog Talk. You guys have not been bloggers before. Sorry about that. That's totally on yeah. Blog Talk. That's not us. Go ahead. Okay. Now, as a thing about the verse 6, it says the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw, I wondered with great admiration. Well, here is it. We are in Babylon. And the martyrs of Jesus are not going to be contrary to popular belief. And this is not to barrage any belief system. Uh, let everybody know, I believe in the Messiah. <laughs> I believe that that the one whom the Bible references Jesus came, lived a life 33 years, was crucified for the remissions of our sins, bled on a, bled on a, on a tree, hung on a tree, and took away every curse that would come against me because I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So in that sense, let me go on from there. But let me say this here. That you better fine tune your we all speaking to me as well as anybody else. We're living in days of great deception, and where everything that appears to be are not so. Seth has a favorite saying that I often say that the truth is often stranger than fiction. And what this refer here is referencing to the blood of the martyrs and of the prophets. That's going to be the blood in the streets that you're going to see shed in America, and these people are going to shed that blood. Because here's the thing with the old the old boy, the, the redneck. I have no problem with him. I had no problem with him when he was a racist. I used to know redneck white boys like that. And just like he would say something to the fact that, you know, you better see color, motherfucker. Literally, I would say something, they would call me nigga, and I was like, you forget you, honky, freaking pack of wood. And we'd sit down, and sometimes we'd have, a, we'd, have a can of, we'd have a can of beer and a drink. I had no problem with them. Because here's, but herein lies the problem. The people... The forces that are arrayed against us, these people have power. That redneck has no power. Even his voice arrayed with all of our voices of what we are coming up against has no power because we're dealing with a system that is bent on taking its – that right now is taking its citizens captive because they are out of control. They have no more control over this country. And so they have no other alternative but to reap from it whatever they can get and move on. It's almost like an alien show. So this is Babylon the Great. But what is the scripture saying here? Go right over to verse 18. I mean, chapter 18, and it says this, verse, uh, chapter 18, verses 4 through 6. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. Now, sin is simply defined as this in the scripture. Sin is the breaking of the commandment. It's the breaking of the law. That is how sin is categorized by the word. The word defined itself, not by a theologian. But if you go to First John, it says that the breaking of the commandment, that is, uh, matter of fact, transgression of the law is sin. That's what sin is. Sin is transgression of the law. Am I correcting that, Brother Yeshua? Right, right, that's right. Sin is defined by the scriptures, not by a theologian, not by a Christian historian, but by the Bible that sin is transgression of the law. So he says, come out of her and partake not of her sins or of her iniquities. We br- every day you turn on your TV, every commandment is broken before you finish watching a 30-minute th- segment of television. That's the commandments. We're a nation that has now legalized homosexual 
unions as marriage. How could we ever say that we are a Christian nation? Because that was an illusion. This has never, ever, ever been a Christian nation. People, you got to rise up and read history to know what you're dealing with. Remember her even as she rewarded you. Double her unto <laughs> Sorry. So, so hold on. Let me jump in here. Let me, let me jump in and ask you a question about what you just said, because people are thinking this. So, brother, it sounds like what you're trying to say is, when you say "come out of here, my people," are you saying we need to move out of the United States? Okay. <clears throat> Remember again, this is not me saying this. So, let us be clear that that question is poised at the writer of the scripture, which is the Apostle John. And we're saying, John, what exactly are you saying? It says, come out of, I was verse 4. And the woman, okay, I skipped over a chapter here. The Bible rolled over. Verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. What's the action? He is instructing a command. It's to come out of her. Second, who is he talking to? His people. Thirdly, why? That you be not partakers of a sin. We address that sin is the transgression of the law and that you receive not of her plagues. Well, you said, are we to physically remove ourselves from this geographical location within the parameters of the sovereign nation of the United States? Well, he said, take not of her plagues. Uh, I don't have a dictionary handy, but anybody who's on the line can pick one up. Plagues are physical calamities that come upon a people, person, place, or thing. Physical. The only way you can escape that is to be removed from it. Physically. You can't be removed from it by just making a commitment and a resolution that I am going to live according to the gospel and live according to the word. Well, yeah, you may be holy and you may be righteous, but you may die prematurely too. Okay, okay so let's get this straight. Let's, let me let me kind of remove yourself. Uh-huh. So, so let me, because you got the floor right now, but I want to kind of chime in here. So let's get this straight, folks. Again, you're listening to Five Smooth Stones. We've got a special show going on tonight. This is not a, this is an adult-only show, no kids around. We've already talked about that. You're going to hear all kind of stuff tonight, okay? Not fit for children. All right, the brother is saying we have, we, we, we're talking about solutions, solutions. And, of course, we have ringed out loud and clear to obey the Father, to to return to the Father. If you if you don't get nothing else, we said that over and over and over. But there are some people that say turn to bloodshed. Let's go kill some cops. We we killed that earlier. We don't believe in that. Okay, these cops are, are people. They have lives. They have family. Now I ain't gonna lie. When I first heard it, it was come back to you, Brother Elishua. When I first heard that three cops were shot, I'm not gonna lie, folks. And I've asked several men. I just was so glad that somebody made a statement to let the powers that be know, hell no, we're not going to sit back and take this. I didn't think about the five lives. At the time, it was only three. I didn't think about the, the, the families yet. I was just so glad, especially that it happened in my area. It's like I was... A bit proud, I must say. I ain't gonna lie. I was proud that somebody made a statement. But it didn't have to be here. It can be Cincinnati anywhere. Because these cops need to know, just like P. Diddy say, don't make us shoot back. We, we, we men. Babies, I've seen them. One baby hit another baby. The other baby knocked the crap out of the first baby. It's natural. It's normal to fight back. 
You shoot us, we can shoot too now. We've been in the military, some of us, some of us have not been military, we own guns, and if we don't own a gun, I own a brick. You keep shooting us and shooting us, we're going to shoot back. So my first response was, I was very happy. This brother right now is talking about getting up out of the country as a solution. And he's using scripture, and I have to agree with him. I want him to finish, though, but he is totally biblical. That's exactly what the Bible is saying. But all of us are not going to go. Most of us are not going to go. Most of us are going to laugh at him. As soon as he get done, we're going to forget about what he said. But there are some people that might want to join him. Go ahead, brother. Hit that a little harder. And the reason I stated that at the front of the beginning about the martyrs is simply because of what you're, just, what you're alluding to now, that there are some people that are not going to believe us. There are people who are going to fight us. As a matter of fact, do you understand that when they so-called identified this person as a shooter, they went and set up a Facebook page. I've been on Facebook for five years. I know how a page looks if it's been there for some period of time. Those pages were set up shortly after that. And here's another thing. There is not, and I've also been on Facebook for five years, and I've also known this trend, that any time an event like that happens, an incident, and that person has a Facebook page, their page is immediately taken down off of Facebook. Immediately. So that no one has information to that individual until they choose to release that information. And then it doesn't come back up. So, again, you know, if we're going to deal with that, but here's what I'm saying. And now what they're doing is they're painting this guy as supposed to be associated with certain groups. Well, guess what? Anybody, the people who now believe that we are the sons of daughters of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that we're the people whom the Messiah, the Mashiach spoke about when he said that you shall be hated of all nations, you shall be taken captive of all nations, and you should be cast as far as the east, and you should be cast to the four corners of the earth. And if, as I just told you, I, not that this validates any specific point, but it is to give a background. I am educationally, academically trained as a theologian. I attended Oral Roberts University. My major was in church ministries and theology. My emphasis is in church history. And I'm telling you right now that when, these, when those Israelites were pushed out of Judea as a result of the destruction of the temple, all of those people went suddenly. The Israelites that are in the Mediterranean there, those are the people who never returned when we were taken captive into Babylon the first time, the geographical place of Babylon. So they never returned for the most part. So that's what those people are. But the people who were pushed out of Judea during the time when Christ was walking the planet, the ones that he prophesied not many days henceforth that you will be cast out of here, that is us. They went on a southerly course. Southerly from Israel is Africa. And, right, right. And, and, and as you know, they always say that Africans sold Africans into slavery. That is a lie. The very reason that they sold those communities and those tribes into slavery, because they were in conflict with them, because they would not embrace their ways. And there are, there are, there are pure cultures of Hebrews in places of Africa now who have existed for literally thousands of years, and they still refuse to embrace the culture of any other people. But when we were here, we were stripped of our name, we were stripped of our culture, our identity. We were told us, and we were, we were given our identity. Seth brought up a point tonight that I never looked at it from that angle, and that was remarkable the way you laid out. We don't even know what it means to be black because we are the creation of white people. We became their children. That's what a slave is. 
Everything that we know, brilliant and see, we were taught that by white people. And we were taught that by white people who had an interest in keeping us subjective because they brought us here to be their slaves. And now he is saying in the scripture to those very people, come out of her. Take not of on her sins and partake not of her and partake not of her, her plagues. So again, I'm saying this, and the reason I'm saying this is because it says that brothers should be, that, that men, that we would betray, that they would betray up upon one another, and that a man's enemies would be those of his own household. So I'm saying that to right now. Don't be one of the people who oppress the prophets. If you disagree with it, go study it and research it before you start speaking against it, because you are speaking against the will of the Most High. Most certainly you are. And as a matter of fact, I will take it to another point before I continue here with the scriptures that guess what? The reason why you go into these preachers and they can't give you answers but give you the same, uh, the same, how can I put it, the same laundry, regurgitated rhetoric that they've been giving us for 50 years is because they have no answer for these problems. And the only solutions that they ever give us is to suffer our way through and to endure. And we've been doing that for 400 years. Obama said things are not going to change in this generation or maybe not the next generation. Come on, Obama. This is not a recent event. This is 400 years in the making. How long? How long shall we suffer? But he's saying to us, come out of it. So again, I say that because many people, they're right now, they're trying to paint us. People who are called Hebrew Israelites. And there are some groups there who are very subversive. I don't identify to them and I don't relate to them. And I always, from day one, have denounced them because they are straight up racist. And there are few, there are few particular theologies or doctrines that they hold that you're able to identify them because, they, first of all, most of what they say is racist oriented against the white man. Because that's the yeah, Let me say this one last point before I get to the next point, or you got to say, make this point. Because let's make this connection with this curse thing. Let's deal with this curse thing once and for all. Are black people cursed? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at our reality and the conditions that we live. And that we live in, not here just in the United States, but in many places all around the European world. Do we? Do we manifest? The characteristics of a cursed people, I think we would all come up with a resounding yes, we do. Are we the descendants of Ham? Hell no. No, we're not. And all you've got to do is go read the Bible, read the 10th chapter, and you would determine that we're not the descendants of Ham. If you go pick pick up a Zondervan Bible dictionary, and when it talks about the descendants of Ham, it explicitly, it makes it to the point that says that no, not the Negroes, speaking of us so-called African-Americans. So here's the point. The reason these people can't give you no answer is because they don't have any answer. Because they've been fed a theology by giving to them by white supremacists, again, who have a benefit and objective in keeping you subdued and keeping you deceived. But when we go back to the scriptures, when it talks about being a cursed people, well, we do know that there is a people in the Bible who were cursed. And if you go to the, 20, the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, it outlines those curses. And people say, well, no, those were options of things that what could and what could have. No, he doesn't. He said, because in the last days, you're going to fall away. And these are the things that's going to be taking place to you. You're going to build houses and not live in them. Your sons and daughters will be given to another. You're going to be, all the things that have taken to, happened to us are in that chapter. That's Everything. Right. And that is the only document on the planet that explains our condition. 
There's no other thing, no science, no sociological studies, nothing that explains our condition. That is the only document that explains our condition. But then that document, if that be true and that identifies us, we have a great hope because that means that we're the chosen of the earth and that what we're suffering is from the sins that our forefathers have committed and that many that, yes, we have been a people for 2,000 years who have walked up under a curse. But I said this at the beginning to preface my comment is that I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And the curses that were against me have now been nailed to the tree. And the only curse that I live in is I live in an enemy territory in a land Amen. of my foes. So when the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, don't get that twisted. It didn't say we didn't have enemies. Because if you read the prophets all throughout, when it talks about the places like captivity, it calls them the land of our enemies. These people are opposed to us. And there's only one hope at the end of the day. It may not be you, those of who are middle age. But you better get your children in mind for it because these people are about to, and let's be very real. Don't people leave us in some fantasy world. Let's just pray and everything we buy and buy. No, 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 no. You're supposed to feel what you think you're going to think you're in hell. That's what's going to happen in the streets of America. That's what that police shooting was all about, to set it off. You're going to think you're in hell. You're going to, matter of fact, all of you who don't really know the Most High and your hope and trust is not completing him, you're going to have some very sleepless nights in the days to come. But what is, the, what is the answer right here? It says, come out of her, my people. Partake not of her sins and receive not of her plagues. For, sin, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God have, redeemed, have remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. And the cup which she hath filled her double. What cup? What cup? That's a cup of oppression, a cup of violence. There are going to be many of our people who are lost and deceived because they've not been given leadership and they've not been told the truth. And they are going to be led, and they are already being presented by the president, by the chief in Dallas there. They're being presented on a, on a platter like lambs led to the slaughter because they're going to act in their ignorance. And I weep for them people. I, too, have been one of those individuals that's not been able to sleep too well over the last seven or eight days because I know what we're in the midst of. But I'm going to close. I'm going to finish. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Seth, because simply I showed you the scripture right there. It's very clear. That's not my words. If the Bible is true, we have to believe it. And it's real simple. Whether you believe it or not, it's still true. Here's what's determined. Will you reap the benefits of being obedient to it, or you suffer the consequences of being rebellious to it and denying it? And like Seth, all of us not going to go because it's always said there is an election according to grace of Israel. Those who are born again. And we will be called out. And he's already preparing and laying the foundation. This is a perfect storm. Because, see, we're not going to leave. We're in love with this hope. That's right. The Bible says he's the whore of Babylon. We are in love with this hope. We go to bed with this hope every night. We cherish this hope. We defend this hope. We fight for this hope. We invest in this hope. We believe in this hope more than we believe in the kingdom of God. Because when you hear preachers talk about this situation, they are defending the agenda of America. And not one have you heard talk about the kingdom of God. We are not of this world. So either you're going to believe it and live it, or either you're going to reject it and suffer the consequences. Just like he told 
our children, our forefathers thousands of thousand years ago. I said before you, blessings and curses, life and death. Yes. Which one you gonna go? Brother, set this in your hands. Well, listen, I appreciate, and again, folks, this is not a child show. This is not. This is adult only show tonight. Uh, we uh, we just being free here. So again, uh, we have several people that tune in later. And uh, what I may do is play the clip of the first gentleman that, that we played because I want friends of Five Smooth Stones to hear that, as well as family members uh, from the Douglas Canyon have joined us tonight. So let's just kind of recap what's going on. Brother Yashua, you're there? You're still there, right? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Uh-huh. All right, I appreciate it. And uh, so Brother uh, Elishua, that's him. He's a little long-winded like myself, so... So check this out. This is going to recap everything he just said because that was very good. He profoundly laid that out. That some will choose to leave. That is a good solution. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with leaving. It's not It's not a cult. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, that's why I already left Ohio, Cincinnati. That town is out of control. And it, it's, you, when you've got a town that's out of control, nothing is out of control like Cincinnati. You think New York is in trouble? <laughs> anyway, like Janarino in her report said, I said it earlier, they're out of control. So, friends and family, those of you just tuned in a little later on, you missed the first video, audio, I think some of you heard the second one. So I'll play maybe the first one again, but I won't play the second again. I just got to listen to the show again. But the first gentleman said some powerful, both of them said some powerful things. Um, but let's recap. Uh, we talked about solutions to the whole police shooting and the African-American uh, having to die senselessly, as well as the revenge on the police cops in Dallas. We disagree, distance ourselves from violence on police. We all unanimously agree. Again, you got Brother Elishua and myself in Dallas, Brother uh, Yahshua's in Cincinnati, and we just, we all agree that taking blue blood is not the solution. It's just going to bring, like Brother Ellis, it's just like Brother Yahshua said earlier, we are in no position to go into no race war with these militia groups training over and all day long. I mean, we just don't have it like that. Most of our people don't even own weapons, and they're not a people of war, just like Israelites were back in the day when they was in captivity. People in captivity, as a rule, is not a people of war, as they would be in captivity in the first place. Okay, so we would lose that. We also don't agree that, uh, excuse me, we do agree that boycott is a good good example. I talked about the boycott in Cincinnati. We was able to get the attention of that city in a way we got their attention. We sure did. That was a, a successful boycott, but it don't solve everything. Boycotts are very limited because they got more money than we got, and half the time these boycotts are going to hurt your own people, and that's what happened in Cincinnati. A lot of black folks lost jobs, but we was on their behinds, and we I'm proud of what happened in Cincinnati. Again, I was in over 70 marches, um, just including the police stations. We, I was just out there with them. And at some point, I had to understand, you know what, this can cost me my life, while most church folks are sitting up and not even out here with us, and I had to count some causes. So that, along with the weather, drove me south. All right? Um, Brother Elishu just talked about uh, some of us leaving. That's true. That's the solution. We also talked about most of us tonight has talked about returning to 
include the most high. If y'all didn't get that out of what we talked about, I don't know what's, what to say. We, again, unanimously agree that the solution lies in the people we call Israel. You might not call us that. That's okay. Turn to the most high. If you don't believe in the whole blacks being one of the lost tribes, we understand. We didn't always believe it either. Just turn to the most high in your own way. You know, start to read the scriptures, turn to him, quiet time. And, uh, you know, because he promised certain things if you do that. Psalms 91 says he protect you. Various parts of the scripture, there's different promises for as we obey, as we submit to him. The Father is real. His word is real. We got to believe it or not. And he promised to protect us. I'll keep you in perfect peace and keep your mind stayed on me. I mean, there's all types of scriptures over and over and over where he promised protection, protection. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's Psalms 91. And there's many other Psalms in various parts of the Bible where the Father promised to be a shield for us. Okay? So we have to turn to him. Brother LSU mentioned something that was very controversial earlier. He said, oh, we're cursed people. Me and Arlene had this conversation last night. Arlene believes we're not cursed. We married. That's my wife. She don't like to say we curse. She says, I don't believe we curse. Well, I, I, she said Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law. And I said, well, I understand that Christ came to make it possible that those that turn to him is redeemed. But Israel... It's unique. Folks, I want y'all to hear me on this real quick. And I want Brother Yahshua to chime in. He's another theologian on this line. He's being quiet, like he always is, but he's, he is dynamite. That's the reason I invited him. And I want him to share some scriptural verses on this. But it's very, very clear, folks. It's very, very clear that Israel is to go through things forever. Okay? This, my wife was saying we're not cursed. Because Christ came. And I say, well, why do we go through seven times more? Why do we have it harder than, than the uh, our white brothers and sisters? Come talking to 40 million people and tell them, you're not cursed now. You're just like everybody else. Since Christ has died, none of that matters no more. All that Old Testament stuff doesn't matter. Try telling them that, and we're living out every single one of those prophecies in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26. Try telling them that from the slave ships. They see them put on slave ships, but other nations of the world not. Go tell them that Christ has come, redeem us. I know Christ has come. And there is a difference in the way we approach the Father before Christ and after Christ. His blood, like Brother Elishu was saying earlier, yes, because of the blood we can come to the Father. That's those that accept Christ. But this nation called African Americans, this brand new stamp they put on us, who are we? Who are you? Family. I have a very proud family on the line. There's Douglas Kennedy family line. Proud people. But really and truly, who are we? Douglas was a white man. Kennedy was a white man. These are white names, most of the most of them. Most of our names are from our slave masters. And that's okay because we've taken those names, dust them off, made some great out of it. I'm proud of, of that. But let's continue the study. Who are we, family? Your names don't... Your name don't don't look like you don't look like your name. I'm thankful and I praise the Father that we are the most documented people on the face of the earth. We people say, well, there's no history of us. Oh, you gotta be kidding. 
African-Americans is the most documented people on the planet. Everything about us is, is, is documented. How so, Cousin Seth? How so, Friend Seth? Because we are Israel. We're one of the lost tribes. The Bible got us documented. Even if we sneeze, it says we're going to sneeze before we sneeze. It says you you have men, young men, but you won't enjoy them. Be taken to captivity. Said you be scattered. Got the four corners. Said you be put in slave ships. When I go to Israel, and I've been many times, Brother Yashu and I actually went together one trip. I want to ask this question to every Israeli I see, and sometimes I do. In love, sometimes split split. Preaching no hate. I want to ask the Israelis. Some of y'all know so-called Jewish people. You don't have a right to say that till you can ask this question yourself. How can you call them Jewish and you can't answer this question? So I challenge you, friends of Five Smooth Stones and family, how can you call them Jewish if you can't tell me one thing they went through that's in the Bible? The Holocaust is the number one thing most Jewish people are going to claim that how they're Jews. And I don't wish it on my enemy. I love all people. But family. Tell them why the Holocaust came about, sir. Hold on. Before that, you can see that the theologian there, he can deep. I'm just a shallow guy, okay? But listen, you can tell him after I'm done. But listen to this. Folks, did y'all know the Holocaust ain't nowhere in the Bible? Think about that for a second. The number one thing most Jewish people say is talk about. So when I say things like, well, well, Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 28, 68 says, Israel is going to be put in ships. When will y'all put in ships? You need to see the answers they give you. Uh, here's a scripture here that says, you're gonna, as a nation, you're going to have wives. As a nation, y'all going to have wives. But another nation is going to come and sleep with your wife. When did y'all go through that? Uh, here's a scripture that says you're going to have young men, but you won't enjoy your young men because they're going to be taken into captivity. Uh, are your young men predominantly in captivity? Here's a, here's a scripture that says that you're going to work all the days of your life, but you won't enjoy your labor. Now, some people ask me one time, Brother Seth, are you just saying that, that this nation of Israel is just going to be oppressed, oppressed, oppressed? I'm going to say this, and I'm going to turn the mic over to Brother Elishua or Brother Yashua, which I want to respond to what I'm saying, because this is a legitimate question. It sounds like y'all preaching that we just curse, 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 and we can't get out of it. No, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, ain't but one nation called by his name, shall humble themselves, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, seek my face, Turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked ways. He said he would heal that nation. But he also said that out of all the nations of the world, earth, Amos, the book of Amos, verse chapter 3, verse 2, says of all the nations of the earth, you have I known. That known is the intimate word of all the nations of the earth, you have I known. Therefore, you will be punished for all your transgressions. We are the firstborn. We're the eldest child. We're going to get it worse than the other kids because we are supposed to be the leaders. I'm telling you, folks, God deals with nations. This black and white concept, no such thing as a black person, a white person, no as much as we talk about, no such thing. He only honor Jebusites, Amorites, Israelites, Philistines. That's what he honors. 
And certain nations have certain callings upon them. Israel is supposed to need, lead the nations. You wonder why people so uh, follow us so, African Americans is so popular all over the world. It's something behind that spiritually. We are Israel. I'm telling y'all. I'm telling you. You can research this. Go, go check us out. You don't know us. Go check us out. Go check us out. The people in Israel, much love to them. They are sent there by God, but not as Israel, but as a rebuke. They're like God's belt. The Israelites are scattered, and we're going through prophetically what we're supposed to go through. We're disobedient people. We're not into God. We're into all kinds of stuff. Our young men is not into the Father. And he said, of all the nations of the earth, you will not be able to rise. Did y'all know that? Last thing I'm going to say. The Father said that Israel would not be able to rise. Brother Yashua, if you can get that scripture, I appreciate it. He said, you would not be able to rise. Now, think about this. Somebody said, well, wait a minute. you telling me that God said about a nation that he was not going to allow them to rise? Brother said, you're cursing them. I'm telling you that's what the scripture says, not me. It says that the nation of Israel, of all the nations on the planet, will not be able to rise. Why? Because he opened up the Red Sea for these people. He gave his law to those people. He was intimate with those people like Amos 3 and 2. So this nation, he commanded, all you have to do is pass down my laws and my cultures to your generations, and you will always rule over every nation on the planet. Israel is supposed to either rule over all nations, or they're supposed to be at the bottom of all nations, never in between. That's how you know who a Jew is. Are they at the very top? They're Jewish. Are they at the very bottom? They're Jewish. That's a real Jew. Or Israelite. We don't like the word Jew because it's only named after one son. You don't name no whole nation after no one son. That's why we say Israelites. So all we're submitting to you, family, is we're talking about the police shootings. And we get into the root of it, and we are getting to the root of it. Why is this happening? Where is God? What is the solutions? We're dealing, folks. We're dealing hard. And the Bible did say, again, I'm going to repeat my last point. Israel would not be able to rise because he he was intimate with this nation. Therefore, they would be punished more than any other nation. That is what you're seeing before your very eyes. Anybody comment on that, please? Go ahead, Brother Elisha. You can take it. Well, I was just saying in regards to Israel, the, those um, Europeans over there, and let's be clear. <laughs> That's why Seth made a distinction between Israelites and Israelis, and Israeli is that anybody who has statehood in the land of Palestine, now known as Israel, an Israelite is a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, one of the twelve tribes of Israel. But those people over there now, they are Ashkenazis, meaning that they hail from a place in Turkey. They're Europeans, and what they are, they're guardians of the land until we come home. And <laughs> we're on our way home. Many of us are on there anyway. Amen. A remnant. A remnant. Now, again, I don't want y'all to think I'm a part of some cult. These brothers know the scriptures. They're very sharp. We know that most people, most people will laugh at this. Even if they are believers, love the Father, obeying his word, they ain't going out of America. They're not leaving this place. We understand that. But some of us will. Some of us will. 
One day I hope to live in the land of Israel. Don't know if it'll happen. Don't know. But I don't I recognize it's America is not the only option, folks. This is a solution. You better know the Father no matter where you live. And I'm going to tell you something. You can live in the middle of a storm and be blessed. So you don't have to move to Israel or anywhere to, uh, you're going to have to know the Father regardless. But I tell you one thing, there is a such thing as some nations having more peace than others. And I know Israel has its, its part to play with some things that are supposed to happen in Israel. We ain't stupid. We know that. We know the prophecies. Certain things are supposed to happen to Israel. We understand that. We understand about the uh, the valley uh, of God, um, Jehoshaphat. I mean, uh, help me out, y'all. We understand the, va- the, the valley of um, Armageddon. Jehovah. We understand Armageddon. We understand certain things are supposed to happen. But listen, family, tonight, I just wanted to have a show where we put some hope out there. I know at some points it probably sounded like we was giving more, more um, gloom and doom, but I hope you understand that this is not something easy. This is this is a complicated issue. Why they hate us? Why they disrespect us? Our young people are wanting to know these questions, these answers. You know, we've been telling our boys do this, and the cops stop you do that, and now I think we're getting the, the horrible revelation that it don't matter what we do. This hate, this disrespect that they have towards us won't have a chance. If somebody wants to pull you over and just make up something, he's got a gun. What can you do? So we submitted some answers. Turn to the Father. Give your life to him, family. Ask him to lead and guide you. All of us have to. This is serious business tonight. This show, this show is serious. We may be the most serious voices right now on Blog Talk Radio. And we letting you know some of you need to reconsider possibly just leaving. Leaving the country. You know, and not running. just leaving the belief. And Seth, you know, let's be clear, because as for me, I have to stay within my lane. And I'm very specific into that because I don't like to get into areas that I don't know about, neither do I have the grace to speak on or to lead on. But I would say this is that the why, because that's the you said, you know, we want to come with why it's happening, what are the solutions, you know, uh, and, and in doing that, we have to determine who it's happening to. And we know that this is not happening to white people. This is happening to us. And it's happening. Why is it happening to us? That's our answer. The reason it's happening to us is because we're Israel. And so what's, what, is the, what, is the, what is the evidence of why it's happening to us? Uh, the Messiah said it's going to happen to us. We're going to be hated of all nations. That's why it's happening to us, because we're Israel. So therefore, to give any solution contrary to what he says, it speaks to the Gentiles and to the other people. That's not in my lane. My lane is to speak to Israel. And Israel, clearly, why it's happening, it's because we're Israel. Did we see this coming? Yes, the Messiah told us this is what's going to happen to us, that we're going to be hated of all nations. Now, then he said also, what should we do at this time? Come out of her. Now, everyone is not going to come right now just going to readily embrace that. But I would say this. Start researching and reading the scriptures for yourself. Start seeking the Father for yourself. Not any go between. That's the reason that the Messiah gave his life, that we would not, there would be no partition, that there would be no, mediate, no mediator between man and God. I don't need to go through nobody to get to him. 
All I need to do is call his name. All I need to do is he says, you call unto me, I'll answer you. Seek me and you shall find me. I don't need to go through no institution to do that. I just need to cry out unto him. It says that when the people of Egypt, when they begin to oppress oath Israel, it says that they cried out unto him. Yes, and he heard yes. their cry. Well, nothing's going to change until we first understand who we are and why this is happening to us, and then we must cry out unto Him because many are going to cry, many are going to come to know the Father in this. They're going to come to know that there is no other option. That's why I come to preachers right now. It's like they don't have no answers for this unless they're really walking in truth. And if you're walking in truth, anybody, how do you determine? Yes, this is going to be. You might say that's a very arrogant statement, but I'll be very real about it. Let's stick within the context of the scriptures of the Bible. And if you're walking in truth in this day and time, one of the things that signifies is that you're walking in truth is you know who Israel is. That's one of the primary things that signifies that you're walking in truth. Now, whether you're living truth, that's a whole different thing. Because the scripture says to us, you know, I mean, it says, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal. And, and the scripture clearly says that, and many of us still do it. So that doesn't mean that it's going to be a reality because it is truth. But the fact is, is that you acknowledge that it's truth. And so, again, that's why these things are happening to us. That's why these things are befalling us. That's why these things are coming upon us. And also, if you read in, Je- in Jeremiah, the 30th chapter, it calls about, talks about the time of Jacob's trouble. That is the most accurate, up-to-date, current news for African Americans right now. Go read Jeremiah 30. It's not going to get any more accurate than that because we are in the midst of that in Jeremiah 30. And so let me put that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to hop in there. Matter of fact, brother, brother Yahshua. Yes. Uh huh. Why don't you elaborate on that? The uh, the, uh, Jeremiah 30. Jeremiah 30? Okay. Yes, the time of Jacob's trouble. Right, right. Well, it's uh, actually, I believe that uh, Jacob's trouble has been going on for a long time. Not that uh, we don't have a lot of things up and coming, but uh, I believe Jacob's trouble has been going on pretty much since we stepped foot in this country. When we look at prophecy on a long span of things, we've been going through trouble ever since we've been here. But, um... Of course, there's some more things ahead. You know, we got to go through some more stuff right before we go back home. As the Messiah described it in this way, he described it as a woman in travail, meaning birth pains. When when a woman is first starting to experience those pains, they're all spaced out. They're all spaced out maybe two hours ahead, two hours between each pain. And after a while, it gets a little closer and closer. Uh, after a while, they're down to minutes, you know, a minute apart and things like that. And that's what we're going through as a nation of people right now. So all these things, all these different atrocities that we experience, there's nothing but the birth pains getting closer and closer. You know, after one event happened, you, you pretty much can't even uh, turn your head and something else happens to our people. These are all the birth pains, all a part of Jacob's trouble, all pointing to our redemption. So in a sense... It's bad, but in another sense, we should be happy because our Redeemer is drawing closer and closer the more we experience these things and the more, as a nation, we experience these pains. But the Most High is trying to drive us back to Him. Even in this, even in this, uh, these hardships that we go through as a nation of people is meant to turn us back to the Most High. That's right. That's right. Talking to you now, 
we're talking about turning back, and this is the way the Almighty has always got his chosen people's attention because he would use another nation to persecute them, to have them cry out to him where we have nowhere else to go but to turn back right. to the Most High. Because just now, as now. Egypt was, we couldn't defeat Egypt by ourselves at that point in time. We can't defeat America in this point in time. You know, with all the let weaponry me, me, they have, all the technology. Go ahead, brother. Uh, you are really saying something strong right there. I want you to repeat that. That was good. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times the Father will use one nation to bring another nation. Mm-hmm. And some of y'all are confused because we're talking about nation and nation. You say, we are part of a nation. No, the mm-hmm. Bible talks about Israel. Whoever they are, wherever they are. Some of y'all don't believe what we're saying. But wherever Israel mm-hmm. is at, they're not a part of that nation. Bob called right. and he constantly says certain things are going to happen to them. And even though they was in Babylon, he still calling his people, his nation. They was inside of Babylon. Why can't he even call them Babylonians? So we got to get right. over this, uh, over part of this nation. We are, but we're not. It should be very clear. Right. Wherever Israel is at, they're not a part of that nation. God's, there's prophecy on them people. They marked. In a good way, it ain't all cursing. But I like what right. you just said, reminding us, reminding us how God will use one nation to uh, provoke his people. And it's all throughout the scriptures. This is why I believe, and I know some people don't want to hear this, but we really got to think about Donald Trump possibly being president. It's a possibility, mm-hmm. folks. I mean, I know I would like to see Hillary get it, but I'm telling you, this is a very... I feel like something, no matter what has happened, uh, and, and Brother Yeshua, please keep going. I just want to jump in just for a quick second. Don't forget your mm-hmm. train of thought, because I really like where you were going with that. But i got to say this really quick, really quick. Folks, mm-hmm. think about it. If we are just telling the truth here, and we're not just some three people that's terribly deceived, and we are one of the lost tribes of Israel, after all, we live out all the scriptures, and they don't. Just say if we are. If we are. Then that probably means that we're about to go to some hell, just like they're saying. Because we're not a godly people right about now. We've, we've strayed from even before our foreparents were. We're very calm, materialistic, into all types of pleasures. Like the brother was saying earlier, we don't even know what sex we are. Homosexuality is rising among and we just got we have gotten away. Some of y'all offended right now that I even said that because you're so screwed up in the head listen to all these people and y'all talking about well, you know, you can't bash the Listen, folk, we just straight. We're people no turn inside out. We're turned inside out. So now if we're truly Israel and Israel has to become a nation again, conscious wise and a remnant a remnant these brothers are, don't know how prophetic they are. A remnant is of us, a remnant, a small portion of us is to return to Israel. That's all throughout your Bible. Not all. So don't get nervous. Some of y'all, okay, you're not going. Not you. But certain, a remnant is to return. You're listening to two messengers, really three, on the phone line telling you that's what's happening. Hey, Seth. The pot Seth. is getting ready to be stirred. Go ahead. Seth, I had on that right there, on the remnant thing. Because we have to be clear on what that means when it says a remnant. A remnant is this. It's like this. It's like, let's say you had a beautiful garment. 
And that garment began to, you know, when the thread begins to pull, 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 pull. Well, eventually what happened is that you keep on pulling it, you're not going to have a garment anymore. All you're going to have left is a few pieces of thread. So when we say that, because we've got to be clear in understanding what a remnant is, is that simply put, is that we as a people, worldwide, our population is that thread. Because I don't want to diminish that because people thinking it's just a few people, because that would say simply put that that Most High truly has led us like a lamb to the slaughter, only basically for, you know, a handful of us to come to an understanding, because what we have described in Ezekiel 38, that great and mighty army, that is no small thing. And in regards to uh, Jeremiah 30, I think it would be really clear if they can hear the scripture, because what you just... Hello? Oh, Lord. <clears throat> they was on a party line. They were on a party line. And, um... <laughs> okay. We'll try to get them on, because the show is almost up anyway. Um, let's do this. I'm going to play What to Do When You Get Stopped by the Police. I was going to play it anyway, because some young people are listening, and they need to know this. The family have heard this a trillion times. Don't hang up, family. We ain't done. We ain't done. We ain't done. While I'm playing this, I will try to see if I can get them on, even though we only have a few minutes. But I was enjoying them so much, those brothers, really. Anyway, this is what to do when you stop by the police, and maybe we'll have them back when we come back. All right? Very important clip. Get your young people to listen to this show. Remember, you can rewind it early, uh, over and over and over. Get the young people to hear this. Uh, family, just be patient. I know y'all have heard it several times. We'll be right back. If police flag you down, pull over immediately, turn off your car, and place your hands on the wheel. The police like to see your hands for their own safety, so wait until they request your paperwork before reaching for it. At night, it's also a good idea to turn on the interior light so that the officer can see you're not armed. Darren, do you see any ways you could have handled yourself better? Good evening, officer. How's it going? Did you know you were swerving between lanes? No, officer. Let me see your license and registration. Sure. My license? Here's my registration. Now, Darren, we've had some problems with gangs moving guns down this highway. You're not packing any Tech Nines, are you? No, sir. I didn't think so. So you don't mind if I take a look, do you? Officer, I know you're just doing your job. I don't have any guns or whatever, but I don't consent to searches. Perfect. Rule number three, you have the right to refuse searches. This comes directly from the Fourth Amendment. For your Fourth Amendment protection to legally apply, you must be prepared to clearly state your refusal under pressure. Everyone repeat after me. I don't consent to searches. I don't consent to searches. The officers can't hear you, so say it again. I don't consent to searches. One more time. I don't consent to searches. You a law student or something? So if I show that I know the rules, he might think I'm a law student, or maybe I got big legal connections. 
Perhaps. But don't get carried away by saying stuff like, I know my rights, my Get out of my face, I'm going to sue you. Never tell the officer you know your rights. Show the officer you know your rights by asserting them calmly. You seem nervous. Is there anything in this car I need to know about? No, officer. All right. Please step out of the vehicle. Police may legally order you out of your vehicle, so you should comply. Walk back here with me. Stand right here for me. Now, you got two choices. You can make this better or worse for yourself. Now, if you cooperate, it's going to make things a lot easier on you. Beware that the police may legally lie to you, so never let false threats or promises trick you into waiving your rights. Now, if you don't, I'm going to call up a canine unit, and those dogs are going to rip apart your car, and they're going to find what you're hiding. So what's it going to be? Refusing a search request is not evidence of guilt and doesn't give the officer the legal right to search or detain you. Don't get tricked. Unless you're detained or arrested, you may terminate the encounter at any time, but don't wait for the officer to dismiss you. Simply ask if you're free to go. Darren, those dogs are going to rip apart your car, and they're going to find what you're hiding. Like I said, what's it going to be? Officer, are you detaining me, or am I free to go? Good. This line can help withdraw you from an encounter. Saying you want to leave establishes that the encounter is not voluntary, which could help you later if you end up in court. Let's practice that line. Everyone repeat after me. Are you detaining me, or am I free to go? Are you detaining me or am I free to go? One more time. Are you detaining me or am I free to go? All right. You want to play it like that? You want to bump it up to the next level? Fine. You stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Asserting your rights won't make the police love you, but it might make them extra cautious about violating your rights. Darren, this is a citation for excessive lane changing. Take care of that as soon as possible. Thank you, officer. Okay, folks, there you have it. Um, very valuable information there. Well, listen, folks, I just want to uh, just kind of recap what has went on, went on. Many of you missed quite a few things. I really recommend you listening to this show again, especially to the two white gentlemen that was on earlier because we don't have a lot of white callers, and many of you are missing out on what they had to contribute. Okay, so check that out. Those brothers dropped some bombs. That's all there is to it. I really appreciate uh, the honesty of them. But the brothers we have on the show did a very good job. I've been knowing them for a long time. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. You think it's cuckoo, what was said. Some of y'all might think it's racist, what was said. No telling, no telling, no telling. But I can tell you this. I don't have haters on the show. I don't run with people that hate white people. Uh, we don't do get down like that. We believe that our enemy is information, uh, misinformation, as well as evil spirits. We do believe in evil spirits. And so like we've, uh, just to recap some of the things that were said really quick, and then we'll end it with a nice song. And y'all know how we do. I always put a lot into that last song, so check it out. But real quick, those of you that missed some of the early part of the show, uh, again, we had the two white gentlemen on really talking about white supremacy. White supremacy is real. 
Uh, and we nailed down the fact that shooting officers is just totally out of the picture. While I, like, I, like I said earlier, while it did kind of make a lot of us feel a sense of, you know, at first a proudness kind of a thing like, hey, told you we'll shoot back. It's it's not a good solution. It's it's not it's gonna kill it's gonna cause more pain by the retaliation than we can ever imagine. And it's not a good option. Uh so no blue blood is gonna be a solution. Uh boycotting is a solution. It's not a wholesome solution. It's not it's not a wholesome solution. Um the biggest solution we agree with on this show tonight was to turn to the Father in every single aspect of life. And if you're not turning to the Father, you're not spiritual, you don't value it, you might want to consider moving and getting up out of this land because we believe, according to the radar, the spiritual radar, the prophetic radar, that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. I mean a lot worse. We have not seen what's about to happen. It don't matter if Hillary get in or, or Trump, but if Trump get in for sure. But there's a lot going on right about now, folks, and we're not trying to scare nobody, but just according to prophecy, Israel has to become a nation. I know you're saying this already was a nation. It was a nation in 1948. No, not according to Scripture. you got to follow the Scriptures and listen in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 4. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 46 says that these things are going to be upon Israel forever, these blessings or curses. Look at the blessings in Deuteronomy 28 and see who fits it. Look at the curses, see who fits it. Go to Leviticus 26, do the same thing. There's nobody that live out those curses more so than our people. And when it talks about things like your ass or your your donkey, and you say, we ain't got no ass or donkey. We got cars and jeeps and so forth. You know, we, we don't have no donkey. Know that our foreparents did. And those asses and, and mules were violently taken away, just like the scriptures say. And then flip the coin over and say, when did the people of Israel go through any of this? And you will see that they have not been to none of that. We are the prophetic people, the most prophetic people on the planet. And we're going through what we're going through because God has allowed this nation to come against us to bring us to him. Everything has to fulfill scripture. No matter what goes on on the planet, no matter what goes on, if you forget everything you've heard on this show tonight, don't forget this family. No matter what happened on this planet, it has to fulfill scripture. All of us are like pawns in the games. The scripture is the is the ultimate. Everything we do as a humanity evolves around prophecy. Everybody has to fulfill their part. Certain nations are supposed to fulfill their part. Israel has its part. Israel enemies have their part, and then we die. It's just like a, it's not a game, though. I don't want to trivialize the game, but everything has to be done according to prophecy. The the invention of America, everything has to be prophet. Everything, everything, but everything is prophetic. Everything. And I believe we're going to go to some rough times that's going to bring us back down on our knees. And the nations, the world is going to know who we are. I believe a small portion of us, a remnant, is going to return to Israel. And I believe that Messiah is going to return. This true, authentic teachings of Christianity. And I know there's a lot of whitewashing in there, but we have managed to get away from the white supremacy, the white images of Christ and all this stuff to get the true scriptures. 
So I know how some of y'all feel. You know, you're not down with this whole. I understand that. I got about 30 seconds. It's gonna disconnect me. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in to Blog Talk Radio. Love every single one of y'all. It ain't nothing you can do about it. I love every single one of y'all. I thought I was gonna get a song off, but not so. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. You can look those brothers up, brother Elishua, um, Ellison, as well as brother Yashua are on my Facebook friends. So hit them up. And y'all just have a good night, and uh, I think we nailed it. I think we had a very good show tonight. So God bless you.